tell you, I stay as far away from that shit as possible. A hundred percent, brother. That the, is true. The the only you can, shoot, you can shoot on Harley Race for making fun of your chops that one time, though. <laughs> yeah, I will shoot on that motherfucker all day long. <laughs> the the maybe a, a six month chop complex. He did. He all did. right, so so you got to go straight into that. Just just tell us about this. Tell about getting shot on and in, in shooting back. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we went to uh, we went to Cauliflower Alley. And keep in mind, we had done seminars with Harley Race and Les Thatcher. I don't know. We probably did two or three of them before we went to uh, Cauliflower Alley in Vegas. And so we get out there and we're doing, uh, you know, just little three to five minute mock matches. And uh, so, you know, I go ahead and get in and, you know, everybody from Fusion's like, you know, hey, get your chops in, get your chops in. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, so I'm having an okay match with the. I don't even remember who it was to be honest. I want. I think it was Kafu actually, if I remember correctly, from California. Yeah, I'm maybe. Sure. Big, big dude, really long hair, pretty jacked. Yeah, and see, I'm remembering kind of a skinny guy. Yeah, oh, maybe. Maybe that was another time. Then we went like three times. So. Yeah. Um, but I get him in the corner. I throw his arms over the, you know, over the ropes, and then I rear back. And probably give him a medium-sized chop, you know, because it's just a mock match. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to give him a full-on chop. And I think I gave him two. So we get done. We're getting critiqued. Unless Thatcher's giving us some pointers. Uh, I think a couple other people gave us some pointers. And then comes Harley Race. And he's going to ask me, well, what are you, a faggot? Because that's what those chops look like. Holy shit. <laughs> and I'm just looking at him, and I'm mortified, right? That's a guaranteed fight over, word. Yeah. And I'm looking over at, you know, Jeff and Billy and Tom. I'm looking at, you know, all the fusion boys, like, just dumbfounded. And so I roll out of the ring, and, and Jeff and Billy, they're like, well, you know, don't don't worry about him. Like, he, he doesn't know the, the specialness of it. And I'm just like, I don't give a shit. That's hardly race. He said I look like a fag. I'm done. Yeah. And it literally wow. took... It took all the boys in the locker room probably six to eight months to get me to chop again. Oh damn! And so now that's that that's the story today. Like, yeah, that fucking Harley race. He he don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Guaranteed. Like I remember a couple of years ago, me and my buddies were talking about like what's the one word that would guarantee a fight in a bar? Like you know you, you know someone spills some beer on you. Uh, but faggot was the immediate consensus. Not fag, but full-on faggot. Like, that that's okay. It's time to do this. Like, we can do it inside or outside. That sucks, man. Like, uh, did you take it, like, as just pure professionalism? Was he, was he, was he just giving you some heat? Or, and in hindsight, it was, you know, something that should have been taken a little bit lighter? Or was it, did it come off shitty? Yeah, I mean, I, really all of the above. I mean, really, I, I don't think that he... He didn't know the, you know, the reaction that I would get from the crowd. And I mean, even to this day, I, I can't get in a match and in two minutes into the match, the, the crowd is calling for chops. Um, and, and that's just kind of the way it's always been since I started doing chops. And uh, so, you know, it was a little, you know, he wasn't as educated on, on my move repertoire. Um, and then, you know, I was still, I was still fairly green in the business. So, you know, of course, I took that to heart. Right. And uh, I, I took it personal. And, you know, so I was like, you know, I loved watching Harley Race growing up. But then I was like, after that, for a long time, like, I was like, yeah, fuck that guy. 
<laughs> oh, completely, man. Like, uh, I've, uh, I've been doing interviews for a while, and I, I actually had the opportunity to interview Tool back in, like, I want to say 2007 or eight, and I declined, and someone was like, why, why would you, or are you stupid? Like, and I was like, oh, no, man, like, if, if, if Tool's shitty to me, it'll ruin my childhood. It'll really take the gas out of my car, man, and, like, it sounds like it did the same thing to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, it really did, and I just, you know, I, I'm over it now, you know, like, God rest his soul, but... You know, it was a learning experience in life, and, you know, you learn and, and move on. How did you take that lesson? I mean, like, I mean, that sort of thing is not something that you take lightly. Like, how, how has it affected you as a professional since then? Um, You know, it, it's one of those things, like, and that was the biggest thing. Uh, I think, you know, even, even Morales told me and, and Jeff and Billy, they're like, look, like, you really got to think about it. Like, he doesn't understand you know, the, the importance of, of, of your gimmick and, and how the crowd reacts to it. Um, and, you know, and the truth is he was just old school and, and he believed in the old school ways. Um, but you got to learn to adapt and, and move on. Adapt. You know, I mean, those same moves that, you know, Keith Lee's been using that move for years and he, oh, and, you know, he, he basically mainstreamed the double chop to the chest like that. I know, yeah, and yeah. I had never He's seen it. The first, time, the first time I seen Keith Lee use it, I was like, "Aw!" <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone took your idea. Uh, we, we, I had the same feeling last night at a CSW show because me and my buddy back in the day, we were like, if we were WB wrestlers, uh, what would our signature move be? And and uh, his name is Josh. We had this thing called the Josh Rules because you know we're both named Josh. And I was like, he was like, it's got to be a cock punch. And then these guys come up last night. They they were like, it, w- it would be the gimmick would be like to figure out a way for us to you know always do the cock punch. And but these guys, what were they? Dick kick. <laughs> yeah, dick kick. Yeah. Oh, just see. Well, they, they were just kind of you know, kind of greasers almost, or eight or eighties punks almost. They were butt rockers. They had the butt rock haircut for like like they were on Skid Row and like in uh, in. L.A. in 1986, man. They really carried it. They they did. They weren't too serious. They what, what were they on? What did they get? Like maybe five minutes total, if that. Yeah. Yeah. They just they walked out, freaking kind of scooping off, and then just dick kicked their opponents, and that was like the match. They kicked him in the dick, got disqualified, walked to the back. Damn. Now, now, Mr. Jensi, I, I gotta I gotta put over Miss Morales here, or, or bury him actually. Uh, it, it's one of those things where people like when they find out I'm friends with Morales, they either think I'm a total asshole. I'm just kidding, or that okay, no, you're not wrong, or or, or uh, I'm over because you don't just get over with with Morales, and uh, he's he's a dear friend of mine. He actually he actually made sure I got a COVID shot today, man. Like I got a phone call today, like hey, where are you? Get over here now. There's there's an extra shot, and I got my first shot because uh, my good buddy Morales here, but. Uh, I'd, I'd like to know, uh, number one, do you prefer Mr. Junsu or just Junsu or how did you guys first meet? Cause I got to hear this story. Good old, good old Junsu Okashiri. Junsu Okashiri. Junsu Okiyoshide. Oh. To, to be, uh, exact. Um, now, now let's start off. With, let's actually start off with that real quick. How, how did that name come about? So, uh, Morales, you remember on hell Escobar. I do. Who was, yeah, he was also being trained by Beetlejuice the same time I was. 
and his girlfriend, um, her grandmother was was actually Japanese. And so Beetlejuice decided he wanted to call me powerful fat ass. So they uh, went to her grandma and said, hey, you know, how does this translate into Japanese? And and she sent back, you know, a little uh, index card that had the the name and translation on it. And it was Junsu Okiyoshide. And so I rolled with that for, I don't know, about a year and a half, two years. And then and then I just cut it to Junsu because Junsu just means like power or powerful, depending on the context it's used in. And a lot of people that watch, you know, like Japanese anime, you will, uh, you know, like if you watch Naruto, like you hear the word uh, Junsu all the, all the time in that show. So okay. the name is actually Japanese. Um but yeah, the original, it was just, uh, I think it was Beetlejuice ribbing me because I was the green guy and he was just kind of make, going to make me earn my, my stripes. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, how would you, like, what were your, like, Beetlejuice is kind of a legend in Colorado wrestling, especially like hardcore fans that have been around for the last 20 years. Like really, you know, like if you, like, he wasn't, like, he wasn't hugely known to like the current crop of fans now but for right. those who did know him like he would he, like he was a big big deal like, oh yeah he, he like like I'm, I'm sure josh you haven't you've never heard of you know beetlejuice from you know evil ernie or evil eddie um how about, how about you could tell us a little bit about him junsu you're, you're correct you're correct so, this, so beetlejuice man this guy was this guy was a character and i'll i'll Never forget when I went down and met him for the first time when I was, you know, started training with him. Like we spent, we spent nine and a half hours sitting in his room and we never even touched the ring. We didn't do anything athletically. Like he was just filling my mind with, with knowledge of the business psychology, you know, the professionalism of the business. You know, he taught me about gimmicks that day and I'll never forget because he told me that day, he goes, look, like when I'm in character, I'm in character. He's like, if I'm in a bar at a wrestling show and somebody comes up to me, like he told me, he's like, I'm not going to break character just because like when I'm in character, I'm in character. He's like, when I'm Beetlejuice, I'm fucking Beetlejuice and you ain't rattling me. Now, when he dropped his gimmick and he was just Alan Carnell, man, this guy was just the nicest friendliest dude in the world and like one of the best men I ever got to meet and even to this day I'm still so grateful that I got to meet him um and you know it it was it was rough because to me that guy he he really gave me a lot of confidence um because up to that point in my life like I, I so many people had told me like you can't do this. You can't do that. Like even in high school, like I wanted to go play NFL football and all my coaches were like, yeah, that's not going to happen. You know, um, even my teammates would say that teachers would say that, you know, we had a thing in, um, in high school, it was called the iron Trojan award. And basically it was the strongest, strongest football player, um, in the school in my freshman year, you know, I said, I'm going to win that eventually. 
in all four years, everybody said, yeah, you can't do it. You're not going to do it. My senior year, I won it. Well, nice. you know, let me go back to Allen now. When I started showing him what I could do in the ring and he seen my athletic ability, like other than obviously like my family and stuff, he was the first person in my life that ever believed in me. And he was like, yeah, you can do something with this. He's like, you have the athletic ability. He's like, you know, trim up a little bit. And he's like, you can really go somewhere this with this. And he was always just so proud to introduce me to people. And I was like, I don't get this. Like, this is a, a foreign concept to me. Like, when he would introduce me to people, he's like, this is my training. And, you know, that to me, that just that's what I remember about Alan and, and Beetlejuice and, you know, just the greatest guy in the world. And and he loved this business so much. Like, there is nothing he wouldn't do for this business. Like, a lot of people will tell you, like, yeah, don't go work for, you know, 20 bucks in front of 30 people. No, fuck that. Alan was like, no, you go give those 30 people the best show that they have ever seen. You know, because that's how much he cared about this business. Even if there was just one person in the crowd, you give that one person a WrestleMania moment because they paid. They, the, the ass was in the seat. Yep, and and that's exactly how he looked at it. Uh, he said, "If you're if, sorry, go ahead. no, no, you go ahead, Mother. I'm sorry, I get excited. Uh, Morales has to bring me in often. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, like if there's one person in a crowd, like Alan would tell you, that man paid. That man or woman paid for that seat." Like, you give them everything you have. And, I mean, it was just that simple because he loved the business so much. You, you, said, some, you said a few things that re really resonated with me. Uh, confidence and proud to be introduced. Now, uh, obviously, it's our show, so we're going to put ourselves over as much as possible. But Morales has one of his young lions last night, uh, and we would talked about him beforehand. We are talking about confidence, and you're talking about confidence. So help me understand you're the buildup of confidence because it's something really important. I feel that most people need to know because I had to, in order to talk wow. to this guy, I had to tell him, yeah, when I get to a show, I'm super excited throughout the show. I'm super excited. But the second it's over, I crash, you know, it's, it's like, you know, real world sets in that sort of thing. But he's like, no, it's the opposite for me. And it, it was nice to have that sort of tete a tete with him and have that, you know, share that sort of thing. But tell me if you don't mind where your confidence was, when you started and also how you got to the point where you were able to talk so resoundingly the way you are now. So I've always believed your, your confidence, it, it starts with yourself first. You have to believe what, in yourself. You have to believe what you're doing. Um, and, and I've always believed in what I was doing. Like, you know, just like I said in high school, like everybody told me I couldn't win that Iron Trojan Award. And I was just like, all right, well, fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's where it starts. Like, if you don't believe in yourself, like, unfortunately, you're never going to have confidence. And, and it's a very sad thing. I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, that, that's just, to me, that, that's the reality of it. Like, you have to believe in yourself first and foremost. It's like when you build a house. You don't just throw a house on a hill, right? right. you got to level that hill out and make it flat so that you can start to build your foundation in your base. Well, well it's the same thing. With well, well, tell me, tell me about the, tell me about the, where you were before the foundation got laid. What do you mean? Well, you're, you're talking about like, okay, so you, you've got, you got a, 
in order to build the foundation, you have to lay the, the ground flat. Because you're, you're telling me, believe in yourself, they didn't ever think you'd win this Iron Trojan uh, uh, war. And then a foundation was built. Like, like I, I want to know, I, I, want some, I want people to listen to this that have trouble with confidence to hear where you started and the little bit by bits up the ladder that you did because you're 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 going really fast. That's the thing. I, I want I want some more meat and potatoes on this man because you've obviously got a story. Like okay, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so you know the the base of my confidence was just always believing in myself. Like there were so many people that told me I couldn't do stuff, and they give me X Y Z reasons. Well, then you break down those reasons and say, okay, well, they're wrong about this. They're wrong about this. And then maybe every once in a while you do get a, you know, somebody gives you a reason that maybe it does make a little sense. So in that sense, you just believe in yourself so you can make that adjustment. But to me, where I was, it was always about proving people wrong. Right? Right. And obviously I had the support of my, my family and friends and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that helped me really uh really build that 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 foundation i was talking about exactly exactly thank you so and then what happens is i finally win that that iron trojan award i believed in myself so much that i could do this right and i win this award and now now people now they don't have a choice they have to recognize like yeah, I can do things and I will do things. And if you tell me no, well, that that's your first mistake because I'll do it just to spite you, right? Right. And and that's that's where the confidence comes from because for the first time in my life, I set a goal and it was a big goal. Uh, winning that award was not an easy thing, especially the people that I had to compete against. Like some of those people went on to play college football and even went to the NFL. And those guys were, you know, damn houses, right? So I was at a little bit of a disadvantage, but I never stopped believing in myself. And so then I decided I wanted to get into professional wrestling. What, what, and again, same thing. Like, a lot of, What year are we talking about? What year are we talking about? Like how old are you around this time? So I started in June of 2000 or May May or June of 2001. So like I was 19 years old. And so I decided I want to be a, I want to be a professional wrestler. Like I didn't go to the NFL. I didn't play college ball. So, you know, I've always loved professional wrestling. Let's give this a go. And so then I start, I start talking to, to Beetlejuice, to Alan, and I start training with him and, you know, the first time I step on stepped up on the ring, I just out of nowhere, I just jumped over the top rope to get in the ring. And he thought that was the most amazing thing for a big guy to do that. And I mean, he said I did it with grace and ease. Like, you know, I, I don't remember that far back. I don't know if I did or not. But my my foundation for my confidence had already been built because people had just told me for so long that I couldn't do things. And I just refuse to believe it. Like you really are, um, you really can be your best or worst own enemy. Like you can help yourself just by believing in yourself, or you can be down on yourself so much that you can stop yourself from doing the things that you want to do. So by the time I got to Alan, you know, like he was seeing 
that I was going to do this. Like he recognized it. And so that gave me more confidence because finally I have somebody that believes in me and I'm not, I'm still believing in myself, but I'm not believing in myself alone. If that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Totally. So, and then little by little, like, you know, again, God rest his soul, but even though he was still encouraging me and giving me more confidence, like he still kept me in check. And, you know, like he told me, Hey, you need to work on this. You need to work on that. Slow down with that. But little by little, like, you know, then he, he had enough confidence in me. He's like, Hey, you're ready for your first match. And, you know, when I first got into the business, even Alan told me like some guys train for, you know, a year, two years, even three years before they even get their first match. <laughs> I started training with him in 2001. Uh, like I said, you know, probably May, June, somewhere in there. You know, I, I had my first match in September. And that was how much he believed in me. And, you know, like I said, as much as he did believe in me, it's like I knew myself in my mind that I could do it. You know, now getting a match that quick, you know, that even exceeded my own expectations. But it also showed me like, hey, you can do this. Like, just keep working and keep moving forward. And so not only did I have my first match, but I'm one of the few rookies who have their first match and won their first match. That's a big deal. Um, it is a big deal. So, you know, that's another thing that Alan added on to my my foundation and in my house of confidence because he put that kind of confidence in me to let me win my first match. Now, and, and I think that's just the thing. Like, you have to just believe in yourself and keep pushing and, and eventually people are going to notice. And the people who notice, they will have your back and they will help you, you know, build what you're trying to build. They will encourage you. They will push you. And, you know, when you fall down, you know, just like the whole Harley race thing, like that messed me up. But the people that were there to encourage me and believed in me, they all picked me up and, and still to this day, you know, Junsu chops are, are a big thing. Nobody likes to take them, and I don't blame them. But, um, <laughs> but it just all starts with that confidence, and you got to believe in yourself because, it, to me, confidence is much like the wrestling business, because there's an old saying in the wrestling business: if you don't believe the story you're telling in the ring or the moves you're hitting, if you don't believe it. How's the crowd supposed to believe it, right? Agree. And it's the thing with confidence. If you don't believe in yourself, how's everybody else supposed to believe in you? It's it's a good thing to say and a good thing to believe in, but like that that's a hard. I mean, he's you say Beetlejuice holding the ladder while you're climbing up, but like what people are throwing things at you as you're climbing up, man. Like, it's hard to keep that confidence. Like, how did you maintain that while he held the ladder from below? Again, you just go back to your core. And my core value was never, never stop believing in yourself. Never give up. And and you're right. It's not an easy thing. If anybody thinks that, that I've never had a time where I just wanted to throw in the towel and say, fuck it, I'm done. You're wrong because I've had many of those times, you know, 
I've been chewed out for by promoters, you know, telling me that I was trash because because I had one bad match. And, you know, I started to believe it. And I had to sit back and really, you know, do some self-reflection and tell myself, look, I've made it this far. Like my my career, the things that I've done is not based on one asshole promoter. You know, right. you get the fans that, you know, you get the fans. I've been shot on before, you know, and you get those fans that they've never stepped into a wrestling ring. But because they've been watching the business for 20 years, they, you know, they want to play armchair promoter. Yeah. And same thing, like people have said bad things about me. Yeah. You know what? It, it messes with you from time to time. You know, now, on the other hand, there's been times where people bad mouth me or told me this or that. And I'm like, OK, well, yeah, fuck you. Your opinion doesn't even matter to me. And, and it never even bothered me. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like having having that solid confidence, it, it's not easy to maintain. But you just go right back to the core. you got to remind yourself, like, how hard you worked to get where you are. You know, like right now I'm 20 years into this wrestling thing, like. I know I've worked hard. I know I've done some some dumb shit. I know I've been rattled a few times, but I've learned from it all. And but the the biggest thing is I've never stopped believing in myself or or what I can do or what I'm doing. Tony, how do you can how can you add on that, man? Because I you're 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 pretty goddamn solid. Like, for, forgive me for just going out there on that one. Like, I mean, you you know Tony, right? You know this guy's unshakable, but. How does he get that unshakable? Tony, come on. I'm going to put the spotlight on you for just a second on that one. No, I mean, it's a lot of what Junsu has been saying, man. You just kind of, you know, some, some people, you, you got to analyze stuff and you got to, sometimes you got to see where people are coming from with it. Because sometimes, you know, just because they say something negative, you know, they could be trying to help you. And sometimes they're just trying to, you know, put over the, their own ego. And you've got to be wise enough to know the difference. Uh, one of the biggest things I ever learned from was Tommy Dreamer because he freaking – we did a seminar with Tommy Dreamer at Primos years ago, and I wrestled a guy named Mosh Pit Mike. And Mosh Pit you – know, Dreamer was like, oh, you know, Mosh Pit Mike, I'd, you know, I, I'd, take you on a, I'd take you on a tour or something like that. And he's like – he looked at me, and he's like, you're solid, but I just don't – like there's nothing special about you. Ooh. You're just a good wrestler. And, like, I got mad about it. And like I was like, well, screw you, dude. But then I like I sat down and thought about it, and he was he was completely right. You know, I didn't have any character flair. Flair, you know, I didn't I didn't have anything over the top that made me stand out. I was the I was the epitome of a good hand. And I spent some time thinking about that, and I started adding, adding some flashier moves. Started adding, you know, embellishing my ring gear. You know, started interacting with the crowd on a different level. And, like, you know, getting kind of, you know, having Dreamer kind of point that out to me ended up being a blessing in disguise because it brought me to a completely different level. And it, it altered the way I thought about the business. You know, because June 2 can attest to this because, you know, after, after being with Beetlejuice for so long, he ended up, we ended up going both, we both ended up in Fusion. And we were two of the, we were two of a very select few guys that really, came from somewhere previously that came to fusion because it was right. it was me it was him it was uh jdt had wrestled in hvw 
um, you know, uh, Paul Diamond to come from R- RMCW initially, and uh, Tommy Boucher, and then you know Billy and Jeff who were the trainers, but a lot of a lot of the guys that came into that fusion school were straight fusion guys. Right. Like they were they were born and bred fusion. You had your Jason Knowles, uh, your Eric Angels, your uh, freaking. Uh, Raheem the genie who ended up becoming Elias Castaneda of the Canadian Pitbulls. You know, all those cats came out of there. Uh, the Candyman, freaking, there, there's a, a slew of incredible talent that came out of that, um, that school, uh, the Altitude Pro Wrestling Academy, you know, um, and, you know, a lot of that was based on the fact that Jeff McAllister, who was Psycho Sarge at the time, um, he went to HBW Heartland Wrestling Association when it was a developmental in 2002, and he ended up coming back because um, you know things didn't work out for him over there. But he brought back that knowledge, and he really, I, I, June Sue can attest to this. He kind of brought Colorado to a different standard because of that experience outside of Colorado. Oh, absolutely, he did. Actually, I've always said, uh, you know, Beetlejuice started my training, and and Jeff McAllister and Billy, they they finished my training. I mean, I mean, could could you could you like elaborate on uh, your time in fusion, Junsu? A hundred percent on that, because you you, you like because we're talking about confidence, and then now we're going from start to finish. I mean, you're you're just fast forwarding the fuck out of this, man. We got to slow down a bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's how the June Sue mind works. I'm always, I'm always uh, looking forward, and I forget to stop in the middle. Let me kiss, <laughs> kiss us on the mouth first, man, before you take us to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Tom, don't you dare bring up that story. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, brother. Yes, sir. Oh, oh no, Hopefully. hold on, hold on, Morales, you're bullshitting. You're you're doing what stays in Reno. Might stay in Reno. Don't bullshit me. <laughs> oh no, no, no. That that, that Montreal is not my story to tell. <laughs> That'll be minefields after dark. Oh yeah. Hmm. See, that's the unedited. That's the unedited edition. Unedited edition, <laughs> right? But but no, no, no. Could you kind of you know like you know it's one thing for me to talk about it. Let's let's get your your thoughts on on fusion as a whole. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, you know, unfortunately, uh, Josh, I, I don't know. I, I know Tom said you, you know, you may not have known who Beetlejuice was, but unfortunately, um, you know, I want to say. I've been picturing the black guy from Howard Stern the whole time. I had no idea he, no, no, he no. wrestled. He, he's the exact opposite. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. But yeah, I think uh, Morales helped me out. What was it? Two thousand three, two thousand two thousand three, two thousand four. Um, yeah. I was supposed to go on a trip to Kansas. It was me, um, me, Bubba. I am the provider, and I was, and Be- I was Be- supposed Be- to go too, but I canceled. Oh, were you? Yep. Oh wow. Yeah, I had, I had actually taken a booking in Texas, so I'd missed that show. But it was a for a, it was a Bad Boys of Wrestling show in in Kansas. Yeah. And unfortunately, freaking on the ride back after the show, 
um, Beetlejuice's girlfriend, I believe, was driving. And they hit some black ice, and they ended up flipping the van they were driving in. Oh, no. And if I remember correctly, unfortunately, Beetlejuice, I want to say he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, but I don't he, think he was. He ended up being ejected from the car and uh, from the van, and the van ended up rolling over him, unfortunately. Oh, no. So he, he unfortunately, he tragically passed away. And I, I always felt bad about it because, like, freaking me and, me and him had not had the best relationship because people I found out later were kind of playing us against each other and freaking like me and like literally the show beforehand, cause they were running every two weeks. Me and him ended up in the car together and we just kind of talked everything out and we squashed the beef. Cause not, not, once we were, once we were able to talk to each other person to person, we understood each other's side of the story. And freaking, you know, I'm, I was always happy we were able to do that. But I always felt really bad that he, you know, passed away so soon afterwards. That's a blessing, man. That's a blessing. Like, that's, uh, and Mr. Junsu, uh, help me hammer this home. And, like, that's, that's a, that's something most people will never get. And Morales, you got some peace before you're not, you're not saying, oh, God, I wish I had, hammered it out beforehand you had the balls and the manly fortitude you know to get in that sort of conversation because that's not an easy conversation it's like hey we have a problem we're going to talk without fighting and we're going to be alone on this and you know it, it happens at shows it happens all the time at shows i see you taking people to the site all the time but no i'm, I'm happy you got that closure man uh but mr juicy you, you, anything to add to that yeah, you actually, Tom. I never knew that, so that that's kind of a new part of the story for me. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's kind um, of crazy. Yeah, like I don't know when I look at when I look at Beetlejuice, like there's just like so many people have stories of him, and and there's just so many blessings in it. Um, you know, but even for me, you know, because he passed away, like I felt like my training was over. I was like, man, like I'm never, you know, I'm never going to be able to do, you know, get to go where I want to go because, you know, the one person that believed in me, like now he's gone. Like, you know, so that was when we're talking about confidence, that was a real hit to me. Um, because, you know, like Tom was able to, you know, squash the, the heat with him. Well, for me, like I finally found somebody you know, outside of my family, but somebody in the business that believed in me and, and pushed me. And, uh, you know, that, that was, it was devastating for me. Um, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do after that. So, you know, Beetlejuice, I, I probably made him roll in his grave a few times because he always told me not to work for RMCW. Um, but after he passed away and the IWF kind of closed up for a while, I went and worked for RMCW because I started thinking like, okay, like he did believe in me and all the stuff that he did for me and he taught me and all the work he did with me. Like, I, I can't let that go for nothing, you know? And on top of that, I had worked my butt off. So I wasn't willing as much as it hurt and as hard as it was, I wasn't willing to let all that go. Um, so I did start working for RMCW and I started doing some pretty cool things there, but I never felt like, uh, I mean, even though I, I was actually even at it, I was still green and I was still young in the business. I was, you know, becoming kind of a, 
a staple in RMCW, but I didn't feel like I was learning anything. So then uh, I, I don't even remember who it was, but somebody invited me to an HVW show and I went and checked out the HVW show. And then the next month I was on the HVW show. And that's where I met, that's where I met Sarge for the first time or Jeff McAllister. And uh, so I worked a few HVW shows and then I guess that's when HVW changed to fusion and, and Billy and, and Jeff took over. And then they started having this, uh, what was it, Tom, like a tournament for the title or something? Yeah, there's definitely a tournament for the title. Yeah, and, and, and it was really, it was a really, what's the word I'm looking for, like uh, intricate type tournament because it wasn't like old school bracket tournaments like where if you lose, you're out or whatever. They did a thing where, like, if you win a match, you get X amount of points and all this other stuff. <clears throat> and eventually, it, then it would turn into, like, an old-school bracket tournament. But my very first match in Fusion is against Jeff McAllister. And funny story, going back to chops, everybody told me about his chops and how they make your, your chest explode. And then they told me, yeah, don't ever cover up on his chops because that's just going to make it worse and, and you're going to get your ass beat. So five minutes into the match, he throws me into the corner and I know the chops are coming. So I just wrap my arms around the rope and hold on for dear life. And it, yeah, it was the worst chop I ever had. But after that match, like Jeff really took a, a, a liking to me. Um, I don't know why, because at that point he was very into the business from the technical side and and the actual you know wrestle smarter um be technical tell a story type stuff and at that yeah. point because of alan's, right and because of alan's uh influence like i was more of a i had the reputation i was a hardcore wrestler and so as fusion went on and I started working with Jeff and Billy and then they started uh, the wrestling academy and everything, you know, they really changed my mind from, from the hardcore mentality where everything's got to be hardcore. You got to do all these crazy bumps. And they really showed me how to tell a story with simple headlocks with a simple uh, hip toss, you know, and they really, you know, they're the ones that really, turned my head and made me obsessed with an arm drag. It's such a simple move, but if you do it right, like you can get a reaction from the crowd, like, you know, better than most people's finisher. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I always say like, yeah, like Beetlejuice, he started my training. He got me on the, the right track and Jeff and Billy polished me up and, uh, you know, really taught me how to, get some longevity out of my career. I don't think without Jeff and Billy, June, there's no Junsu 20 years later. Junsu's probably got some replaced hips and some blown out knees and who the hell else knows what, you know? We'd have cyber Junsu. <laughs> right. <laughs> ghost, right. Ghost in the shell Junsu. That sounds terrifying. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, you ever seen, he, he brought up Naruto earlier. That means he's seen Ghost in the Shell. Don't even give me that shit. 
Oh, dude. That's that, funny. Don't do that to me, man. <laughs> Tell me you've seen Ghost in the Shell. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> Have you? No, both of you, goddammit. <laughs> I've, I've not seen it. I'm not, I'm not, anime's not my big thing. The only one I'm into is uh, One Punch Man. Oh, goddammit. And what's it All called? Right. Ghost in the Shell? Ghost, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost I know the it's shell. a classic. I've never seen it, though. Ghost I don't think I've seen that one either. Dude, I got super lucky, man. I'm going to tell a little tiny little Joshua Michael story here. Uh, watching uh, anime back in the uh, early 90s was totally faggy. To borrow our parlance from earlier, <laughs> uh, it, 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 it in no way made you uh, a chick magnet. But I had this friend that, his name was Mike Swanson, actually. I remember he was, he was a good buddy of mine. Uh, we got in a fight like in uh, seventh grade. He punched me so hard he knocked the air out of me because I refused to uh, let him win in Rampage uh, at the youth center. He hit me the <laughs> yeah. Hmm. As all good friendships start. Yeah, he was just this angry Filipino kid, and uh, <laughs> and um, you know I didn't take it, man. I got up and I kicked him right in the dick, and uh, we became friends afterwards. I mean, I was out of breath, but I still kicked him right in the nuts. But his uh, his mom would call people over because they had like uh, like she she would make like these huge spreads, man. Like she like word would get out. Mike's mom had lumpia, and um, you know. Ten people would show up, and uh, but his brother still lived in the Philippines. There was like twenty, and sent him all these like anime tapes, like dubbed. So we had like Ninja Scroll, Akira. Uh, 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 we had Ghost in the Shell. Uh, we all bootlegged the tapes, and he he's bringing up he's bringing up some uh, Naruto, by the way, <laughs> and um, <laughs> Ghost in the Shell was basically uh, if you've seen the Matrix, you've seen like. The Matrix is a ripoff of a bunch of other stuff, and I'm getting into some nerdy stuff here. We, we do comic books and stuff like that, but um, we're, we're, we're getting, I'm, I'm deviating. I, I, I apologize. You guys have got me going like a like a ping pong ball, like a uh, not a ping pong ball, I'm talking a pinball machine, man. You guys are like kicking ass, like uh, just to play Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think when you met Morales, man? You, you, you got to give me some juice on this one. So. The first time I met him, he was uh, Champagne Tony Morales. <laughs> I was I was never told this before. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, he's never seen faces and heels then. Jesus. And I was so confused because there was also this guy, and unfortunately, I, I never really got to know him too well. But he was always, you know, very kind to me, and and you know, uh, he was a real professional. But there was also I can't even say this Dom Perignon. Oh, Dom Perignon, yep. Yeah, so there's Dom Perignon, and then there's Champagne Tony Morales. I'm thinking, what the hell have I gotten myself into? I'm not sure about this, right? Because mm -hmm. then you got Big Harry Junsu walking around like a gorilla. I'm like, man, which of these things don't fit? But <laughs> as I as I start to get to know Tom, like, like he's telling me about all these, you know, the the past wrestling matches that he's seen of WWE and and like I'm like, wow, that's cool. Like, you know, because kind of like you were saying, Josh, like with anime, like it, it wasn't the way to get girls. Like growing up where I grew up, like professional wrestling, like that was not the way to get girls. No. Or really or really other, you know, friends. Unless you like, like big uh, girls. Right. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I've had my fair share, so um <laughs> Some of the but best times of my life. It's two o'clock at the club somewhere right now. 
Oh, so, uh, but yeah, you know, and that's just, that's how I remember us hitting us, hitting it off just, you know, and then it was like, he would, I would ask him like, Hey, how do you do this move? And he would show me like, you know, three different ways to hit this move. And I was like, Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, Morales was always just super kind to me. And, and kind of like you were saying earlier, you got your COVID shot because of him, uh, you know, that's just who he is. That doesn't surprise me one bit. I know, right? Um, and he, he's always been the same way for me, like, you know, and then before I know it, like, we're, you know, we're in fusion together and, and, you know, we're sitting by each other in the locker room, just, you know, getting, getting to know each other even more and really creating that bond that, that you get in the business with some guys. And, you know, I could fast forward a little bit. And next thing I know, he's getting me book bookings in Texas and, um, you know, like I, you I think said, South man, Dakota you, was first. I think I think it was the first one we did together with South Dakota, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah, South Dakota. How can I forget that? That's oh. where I won my first title. No I shit. think that was because of you too. I, I think yeah. They, yeah. Did, did you did you beat me or did you beat Diamond for it? Um, it was a T. I remember it was the uh, UCW t- TV title. I remember it was that. Yep. I'm pretty. I think I lost it to Diamond, and Diamond turned around and lost it to you, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think you're correct. Okay. Um, and the only reason I remember that is because one of my, it wasn't really a, a shoot, but it was a shoot, but it was just something that fit in with my 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 gimmick. But I used to tell Diamond all the time that I was making a living of taking his titles. <laughs> oh yeah, so, he beat yeah, him for the uh, right. him for the fusion belt too. Yeah, like two or three times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, he got me all these bookings everywhere. And the next thing I know, we're just, you know, he's one of my best friends in the business. Um, he's taught me so much. And and like, you know, again, Junsu's not Junsu today without Morales. Like, he's another one of my, you know, one of my confidence builders. And he's added to my, my confidence base, if you will. Um and I'm very grateful for that. So, like you said it earlier, Josh, like, Morales, this dude, stand-up guy. Yeah, yeah I'll put you over. One thing I couldn't teach you, though, I could not teach you a shooting star press. Damn it, bro. I was six <laughs> inches away. He never lets shit go. That, <laughs> he never lets shit go. Listen for that Josh, fucking crash ask pad. Him, ask him about the shooting star press. Let's hear about the shooting star press because fucking Morales doesn't let shit go. He's the stubbornest motherfucker I've ever met in my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before I even tell this, like, we're using, well, I mean, it had to have been like an eight inch crash pad. Yeah, it was one eight, of the eight, eight, inches, eight, eight inches thick, probably about, I'd say eight feet, eight feet long, probably three, yeah. four feet wide. So good and size if it crash wasn't for pad. That, if it wasn't for that fucking crash pad, Junsu would have hit a shooting star press. So what had happened, this is when we were at uh, Altitude Pro Wrestling Academy. And we had just got done with practice, and we decided we were going to goof around, uh, you know, do some top top rope moves and stuff. So I climb up there. I do a moonsault. Yeah, my big ass can do a moonsault. I've never done it in a show. Maybe one of these days I will. So then I get up and I try a 450. I hit the 450. 
And so, you know, I got all the confidence in the world now. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm hot shit. And I see Paul Diamond do a shooting star press. And I'm like, ah, that ain't nothing. I got that. So I climb up there. And in my head, I don't tell anybody I'm going to do shooting star press. Like, I've always told, even, like, people that I've helped train, like, I tell them, don't think about it. Just do it. Because if you think about it, that's when you run into problems, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I perch myself up on the rope. I bounce a few times, jump off the rope, go into the backflip, and basically land on my shoulders, like the, the, the chest part of my shoulders and the side of my face, and I scorpion it. Ooh. My legs come over my back, and, and I kick myself in the head. And it's all because that crash pad was there because, you know, <laughs> I had six more inches of clearance. I, I would have hit it. And then so this is where it gets real funny. And, and I'm only telling you this because this is what I was told. But apparently I get up and I tell everybody, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I guess I just faint and pass out. And I guess I start snoring. Started snoring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oops. So now he that he, he didn't get up. He shot up. Like he got up like I'm okay, I'm okay, and then passed out. <laughs> and then like someone... we're, talk, we're talking we're talking like the classic Ric Flair, look you in the eyes, I'm gonna punch you in the nose, and then he, the guy moves and he just falls on his face. Did did some young lions show up with a sleep apnea device to like kinda ease him? <laughs> no, but we should have. In all fairness, we were all young lions at that point. None of us had a clue what we were doing. Right. We were just Young, dumb, and enjoyed. We had some fun. So now, you know, that has went down in, in Colorado history as not the shooting star press, but the falling star press. <laughs> uh, why is that not a gimmick and a t-shirt? <laughs> we weren't um, trying to market it back then. Yeah, we weren't too knowledgeable on marketing and... Dude, you could have you, you, know, you could have gone to a thrift store and bought a bunch of shitty ass alarm clocks, signed your name on it that that didn't work. <laughs> In hindsight, you were correct. Oh man, anybody got that time machine yet? Because I got some money I need to make. Exactly. Shit, that's, that's what that's why we that's why we walk through minefields, man. We got the we went to a meeting last night and uh, Tony was uh, commanding it, and I just chimed in with some artist shit. And I just know not to be that asshole artist, but, you know, Morales has got the reins, but, like, I got some good ideas every now and then, but, yeah, we need to sell you some, uh, we need to go to a thrift store and buy a bunch of broken-ass alarm clocks, and you sign it, and someone's going to get fired because of you, but it'll be okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, shooting star press, man. And and that's, that's actually something Tom's never going to let me live down. Oh, Lord, no. I was there. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be old and riddled with dementia and still remember that. Yeah, right. Glorious, glorious. Yeah, we'll be at uh, we'll be at like Junsu versus Morales, like 274, and uh, he's still gonna be telling me about that. We'll just bring you. Uh, uh, taught me that long, Jesus. <laughs> it'll be defi- uh, It'll be a defibrillator match, right? We'll both have canes, and we're just like, like touching each other with canes and selling the shit out of it. <laughs> so you're, all right. Sorry. So you're writing a wrestling match and retirement. 
porno. Gotcha. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Hey, you Bad s- you set me up for that, man. You set me up for that. It was not my fault. Fair oh, enough. <laughs> I got I gotta I gotta get my shit in every now and then, man. Like Tony's Tony's the Tony's the man. Like he had uh, got my COVID shot. It's not hurting yet. Nah, the first one's first one's cake. Yeah, it's that second one that'll get you. Do you hear a second one already? Yeah, I got mine. I work for the state, so they were like, Oh yeah, we got it. I was like, Well give it here. I'm a central goddammit. <laughs> well, yeah. Everybody do it now, shoot. It's opening up, man. Yeah. Not FDA approved, but whatever. We'll do what we gotta do, uh-huh. man. I wanna go to, I want four hundred people at the next show, man. Like we we gotta get things over, man. Jutsu, when was the last yeah. time you wrestled? Uh, March of last year, uh, NEW's last show. Oof. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been rough, man. I missed it. I tell everybody at work because, you know, everybody at work knows I wrestle and they're like, do you miss wrestling? I'm like, hell yeah, I do. I want to set, pick somebody up and I want to set them down really hard. Um, it's been hard to watch regular wrestling since it happened. Like, honestly, man, like it was like worshiping aw but since since covid it's been every other one yeah it's uh it's definitely not the same um watching it without a crowd like it's crazy because you know because of these big promotions they haven't been having a crowd like you realize just how important a crowd is you know it's funny you say that man because when when it happened and they started doing crowdless uh, events, and you know, God bless them for doing it. And they did their best, especially AEW. Um, I realized that my favorite character wasn't Stone Cold. It wasn't Y2J Kershaw, my hero. It was the crowd. Right, right. I can relate to that, man. It was it was yeah. the crowd. Like they 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 justified all my feelings. Like how much of a pop when 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 a pop happened. And you're popping, and like five thousand people are popping with you. How justified do you feel? You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like, you know, when you think about it, you know, if if Stone Cold, if his music hits and that that glass breaks, um, like, like you don't hear that crowd roar. Like, is Stone Cold really Stone Cold? Does he become Stone Cold? I don't know. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I just know that, like, you know, when they when when they got the signs that you'd write and they're they're chanting the things like, uh, you know, you fucked up or this is awesome. Right. Uh, like, you know, like I'm chanting in my room watching it late at night, man. Like, uh, it's it's just one of those things. The crowd is really the best one, man. And I, yeah, it sucks you haven't wrestled since uh since March, man. Like, how, have you been keeping up? Are you still uh, hitting the gym? Man, unfortunately just with work and everything I've been trying to one of my things because I haven't been able to wrestle like I've really had to occupy myself um, because wrestling really was my my outlet if you will Um, so without wrestling like I just I buried my head into work and you know like I haven't been in the gym as much as I would like Um, you know but we're working on that 
hey, there's always room for improvement, and there's no there's no shame. And I mean, like, uh, I've talked to a lot of people uh, about everything that's happened about since since March and the lockdown and the pandemic and the COVID bullshit and then the all the other stuff that happened. But like, there's a lot of shame involved. There's there's a lot of like, you know, I was gonna I was gonna do this. I was gonna start a podcast. I was gonna. I bought all this gym gear, uh, started ordering meal prep and you know, it just didn't work out like, but that's fine. But there's a lot of shame involved and I don't think a lot of people know how to deal with that sort of thing. Like you're telling me like, yeah, you know, maybe you should get back in the gym. That's fine. Everyone should always be in the gym. But like, I feel like you're, you're kind of hating on yourself for that, man. Yeah. Cause well, back, uh, back in, from October, no, I won't say about September to like February, I had dropped about 60 pounds because I started intermittent fasting. Right. And I was like, fuck yeah, this shit's working. Now I need to hit the gym. And I just never got around to it. And now I probably put about 30 pounds back on. It's like, okay, you know, I got to get my shit together. What's you your, know, for, what's, your, what's your vices, man? Like, are we, we talking like, because my, my vices or like, I lost, uh, back in January, I was like around 1.30. I clocked in at 2.03 this morning and 2.04 yesterday. So it's not the water weight. Like, I'm I'm consistent now. But, like, it was the intermittent fasting. And I realized because I'm so busy with minefields and Tony's got, got me on my on my toes at all times. And I got a girlfriend. And it's just one of those things. But um, uh, just, to, just to say it first, my, my vices are, I like whiskey. I like, uh, it's not an everyday thing, but it's also, I like, I like Popeyes. I like, uh, getting off of work and, uh, hitting a McDonald's. If it's too late, just get a couple burgers, man. Like, I'm just, I'm putting them out there and, you know, see, I don't want to shame you, but I want to show you my shame too. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. That's exactly. So, you know, I went like when I was intermittent fasting, you know, like I went the whole time without even touching fast food. And I think that's one thing that really helped. Like people don't understand how bad fast food is for you um, and how fast it adds up, um, you know, but I mean, that's the thing like, yeah, the fast food is, 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 and always has been a big thing for me just because it's convenient. Um, even my second job, like I work out of my car. So, you know, when I get hungry, it's like, Hey, let's grab something to eat real quick. Um, and then, you know, like my, my main job, like I try to grab something to eat on my way into work because I never know when I'm going to get a chance to eat. So I try to get myself full. Um, but I mean, it's just a, you know, I, I recognize where I'm going wrong and, and, you know, it, it's on me to change it and, and make the, uh, make the adjustments. The adjustments are going to be easy. Especially once you get yeah. that, that little bit of uh, encouragement. Like, I got lucky, man. Like, uh, uh, a lot of our listeners have heard it before, but Morales, like, approached me. Like, we had a story I'd like to be on the show. And, uh, man, I thought I thought this guy hated me, man. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> next thing I know, he's on every show. And, you know, we we're hanging out. We we're going to the gym. And, like, he, he really likes to fire my ass, man. And um, tell him everything. Like, uh, he's a very good confidant. But... At the same time, though, um, had a lot of shame at the same time, and he really kind of set me straight, man. Like, how, who's in your corner? Like, 
what are you looking forward to? Uh, what are the things that like you would like to know? I mean, you're a strong man. Like you can take a fucking chop. You can you give a chop. Like hell, you raised two girls. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, well, that's a real hero, dude. Freaking Junsi was. I remember you, your kids were young when I first met you. Jesus, now they're, what, oh, they're, they're both graduated now, aren't they? Uh, yeah, Mariah's graduation is next month, but she's done Jesus. with school. She finished. She has. She finished in January. She'll be eighteen in less than a month. That's, so, that's a survivor. That's a open. strong guy right there, raising two girls. Shoot. <laughs> um. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you saying that. No it problem. You've always had my respect for that. Yeah, yeah. Tom probably remembers me going to training and and bringing in the stroller with both my daughters sitting there, and yeah. they had all their snacks. And but yeah, you know, I mean, as far as my you know my motivation to to get right and everything, it, it's you know Tom hit the nail right on the head. It's my daughters, uh, even though they're you know my oldest just turned 20 this year and she's moved out and everything. But, you know, like just cause they turn 18, that doesn't mean, you know, you're done being a dad. Like, you know, even though she moved out, she, I still see her every day. You know, she's still asking me to do this, do that. I, you know, I got to run and uh, take her to run an errand tomorrow. Um, so, you know, they're, they're still, uh, my, my biggest motivation, you know, and I figure probably, you know, hopefully I can, get into my forties before this happens, but, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm going to be having grandchildren in the next 10 years, you know, and I'd, I'd like to be around for them. Um, and, and as far as, you know, who, who I want to be accountable to and, and stuff like that, you know, I, I'm really kind of weird about that. I, I guess maybe I'm in the minority, but I, I try not to be accountable to anybody else except for myself. Um, just because in, in my mind, I'm holding myself to a higher standard and, you know, like, especially with, you know, losing weight and getting healthier. Like, I just feel like I, I should be accountable, accountable to myself because, you know, nobody else can, can do what I need to do to get healthier and to drop some pounds and stuff like that. Like, yeah, they can encourage me and people know that I'm, you know, actively, you know, working on it. And I appreciate all their encouragement and everything, but, you know, like if I let somebody down and say like, yeah, by the end of the month, I'm going to lose 10 pounds and I don't lose that 10 pounds. Like it's going to, I'm going to, in my mind, I'm letting myself down and I'm more disappointed with myself and I'm more focused than that on that than disappointing the person I said I was going to lose 10 pounds to. Does that make sense? hundred percent a hundred percent man and that's that's exactly what i was trying to get out of you when i was trying to talk about that confidence ladder man like it's it, it's not about just constant going up it's going back down it's 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 slipping a few bits but at the same time though you have to acknowledge that someone like beetle just he's holding that he's holding it it's gonna get wobbly like i got morales like last night man i was like uh not to talk too much about myself, but, like, I, I had a bad night last night, man. Like, uh, we did a good show, but, like, uh, some shit rattled my fucking guts. And he's like, hey, we had a meeting. I'm like, I'm not going to an after party. And he's like, not after party, meeting. I'm like, what are you talking about? Meeting. We've been talking about it all week. Plan 53. <laughs> oh, shit. 
and, and like it just it occurred <laughs> to me like I got I was that rattled and and then and right. then and then he's like listen just get in my fucking car I'll drive <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and 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 he knew I just needed to settle down like like it was like he 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 didn't question me he didn't shame me but he held the ladder. And then we get there, we order some food, and we, we, we were the boys, and we've got this solid plan, and, and then he allowed me the time to settle the fuck down, because he, he knows me that I get artist, artist crazy. And we chilled, how many fucking cherry Pepsis did we drink last night? Dude, I spent all night pissing last night. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> like, like, I'm not a soda guy, but I think I legitimately downed anywhere between three and five. It, it was like six or seven, legit. Like I remember, like Maybe. They, they they forgot Logan's food. I had to like flag something down, and like we already had like four or five. Like like we're not. There's no secret code here. Legit cherry Pepsi's. That's like <laughs> just. And, and, but but he but he calmed my ass down, and he had the ladder. He knew where I was. He didn't have to. He didn't decode anything like he just knew, and uh, we 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 drove back and and it was like hey we we talked business and I'm like cool see you later brother we'll talk later we got shit shit to do and like he didn't shame me though and it sounds like you've got a really good support system like that man but it sounds like you're also scared of getting shamed. Um, I guess maybe in the back of my mind, but. I've always, I've always tried to be the type of person, like, you know, if somebody's going to shame me, like, where's it coming from? Are they just being assholes? Um, or are they trying to help me? So, you know, I always try to try to look at that. Um, and I guess, I guess a lot of the shame that I have is just from myself. Cause you know, like I, I'm my own worst critic, you know, not to be cli- uh, cliche, but you know, I, I look, I look at pictures from back, in 2000, when I first started wrestling, um, I look at pictures from when I was in high school and I was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, cause even back then, like I was a bigger guy, but you know, 2001, I was probably, I was probably 225 pounds, which I mean, today's standards, that's, you know, like what do they consider cruiser weights? 215 and below or something? 205, uh, 205, or something? 205 yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even at 225, like, that's not the biggest guy in the world. But, you know, 20, 25 years ago, like, in high school, you know, a 225-pound kid, that was a big kid. Yeah. Um, and actually, I didn't even hit 200 pounds till February of my senior year. So February of uh, 2000 is the first time I tipped uh, the scale at 200. And the only reason I remember that is I was in high school. We were going to regionals for wrestling. And, uh, the entire time in high school, I wrestled, I was weighing in at like 180 pounds, but I was wrestling in, in the heavyweight weight class, which was 275 pounds. Um, and then after Christmas break, you know, they give you growth weight. So, you know, it would go up to 280, 285 pound weight limits. So there was legitimately times I was wrestling kids, giving up a hundred pounds, um, but yeah, my, my senior year, we went to regionals and I weighed in at 200 pounds and, and what was it like four ounces or something. And my coach, you know, started flipping out. He's like, finally, I got a heavyweight that's over 200 pounds. Um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I just, I, I look back at that and I'm like, man, I, I would really like to get back to that. 
And I mean, realistically, if I could get to 240, I'd be all right. I'd feel comfortable because that's a, you know, I know when we were in, in fusion, uh, that that's where I was weighing. I was about two between 240 and 250. And, and Morales, you remember how I, you know, you remember how I, I used to be able to move. Mm-hmm. You can uh, still you can still move like that, man. Keep giving yourself shit. Come on. Like a like a felt panther, he was. <laughs> oh man, uh, honestly though, Josh, do you think I can move good now? Like back then, like yeah, I, I could keep up with Morales off the ropes. Oh yeah, dude, five, 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 nothing. Dude, yeah, Morales, dude. Morales beat me up dude, in the parking lot yesterday, line. man. Like I'm not gonna hear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we got to hit hard, though, because we're slower than we used to be. Dude, he... That's he, true, man. I can weave like we used to. He chopped me right in the dick yesterday, and I'm going to me too his ass. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't even remember that. That took me a second to that reference. There was all those... It was all those cherry Pepsis. God all the cherry damn it. Pepsis. Ah. Ah, <laughs> your head. I appreciate you saying that, man, because that's a hard thing to say. Like, it's a, it's a hard thing to, like, really get over, especially after all we've been through, uh, whatever perspective, uh, political or religiously or just being an actual human of what we've been through. It's a hard thing to admit, man. Like, uh, the, it's it's the fear. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up the replacements. Okay. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm pausing because Morales likes the replacements. Ooh, top five favorite movies of all time. It's it's I, I'm I'm picturing the scene after they got out of jail and and uh, Coach is like, what do you what do you what are you afraid of? And and I'm scared of spiders, Coach, and, and I'm scared of bees, you know. And then, but what are you, what are you afraid of on the field? Yeah, what are you afraid? Spiders on the field? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but then Shane's like quicksand. Go on. You go into quicksand and it gets it gets deeper. <laughs> okay. And and then you're drowning. And right. I, I feel like a lot of us have gone through that sort of thing, man. And like, what's that quicksand for you, man? Like, you're one of the most positive guys I've ever inter- ever interviewed or ever had a good conversation with. Um, tell me about the quicksand, man. Like, when does like you started from the like before the foundation was built, like on on the hill where they're gonna level it out, and then you you told us about the foundation that was what built, and the and then and then you gave us all the scaffolding, and now you've got a you know a, a six hundred thousand dollar house in Denver, and built on your own experience and your own gravitas and your your balls, the gonus man, and, and but like tell us about the quicksand. Well, what when is it when the when the foundation crumbles and and it's hard to breathe wow that's a that's a good one man um you know like i don't know for me the this this last year uh like most people i'm no exception um you know just the the change and everything and i'm such a person in a creature of habit and routine um, I, I really think this past year, like a lot of people, like I've really fell into that quicksand, like, you know, um, just not having wrestling, um, not being able to go to the movie theaters, you know, um, that's been a really hard thing for me to overcome. Um, 
you know, and there's been a few times, there's been a few times that, that I didn't have wrestling. Like a lot of people don't know this, but I actually left wrestling for about two years. I think I want to say it was 2008 to 2010. I left wrestling. Sounds about right. Uh, you got fusion folded. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I had left fusion. Uh, I, I think they went on for, you know, a year, year and a half after I left. Um, but yeah, I left for about two years and just, you know, went through some, some stuff in a personal life and, uh, you know, um, so, I mean, really, I mean, I know this sounds like a, a generic answer. It's, it's no such probably thing. not the great answer. No, you, no, you such thing. no, 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 I'm not looking for Shakespearean anything. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're real men. We, we say right. real things. I'm not asking for a soliloquy. We're men. We're men that wear tights. <laughs> right. Tight tights. Tight tights. But, uh, give us, but a... yeah, my quicksand has literally always been wrestling. Like, when wrestling's not there, like, Junsu's not right. Like, not even Junsu, you know, like, when wrestling's not there, Rob Stewart's not right. Um, and then the other thing, too, you know, my quicksand, if there's, you know, a lot of people, some people know this, you know, like Morales knows this and a lot of people that I'm, I'm tight with in, in the business, um, you know, but my kids, my kids mom took off with my daughters for, I can't remember if it was two or three years. And man, you want to talk about your house crumbling, you know, like anybody that knows me for five minutes knows like the reason I breathe are, are my two little girls. Like, and, and for those two or three years, they were gone. Like, Literally, there was no custody order in place, so I didn't really have grounds legally. What, what, um, why was there no why, why was there no custody order in place? Were you just trying to shake the foundation? Were you just trying to like do your best? <clears throat> so, you know, I, I had my first daughter when you know I was still eighteen when when my uh, my oldest daughter was was born, and you know having having a kid that young, like I was still a kid. So I had this preconceived notion in my head and, and I told their mom, look, like we're going to be together forever. Like we're not splitting up. And then when we split up, I, I said, you know what, we're going to do this. We're going to be adults about this. You know I mean? At this point I was 21, 22. Um, and so I was like, yeah, we don't need to go to court. Like we're adults. We can do this. Right. I, I didn't realize that how important uh, a custody order, a legal custody order in place would be. And I didn't realize, like, you can't just trust everybody. Like, you know, when we broke up and, and, and she took off with my, you know, my daughters, my, my oldest was, you know, I think she had just turned three. And, you know, so that would have made me, like, 21, 22. Like, I, I didn't know this stuff. Like, I thought, oh, okay, I had, you know, children with this this woman. And even though she's still the same age as me, like, I can trust her, right? Right. So that, you know... I got a hard, hard lesson in life of trust through that experience. But, uh, yeah, man, for those, uh, for those years that, that, that my daughters were in Indiana, you know, like, boy, I'll tell you what, that was a side of me. Like that, that was some, that was some dark times for, for me, you know? And like I said, it, until I, I found an, an actual address, forum there wasn't a whole lot i could do because you know i go to adams county and they're like well we don't have jurisdiction there there's nothing in, in you know in place so there's no jurisdiction for us 
like they kept telling me like you need to you know find a physical location and i mean long story short like she ended up you know calling me and saying hey you know i need you to come get the girls and of course i was like well where are you like give me an address and uh you know within you know 17 hours i find my ass in indiana uh loading my daughters up in a car and uh you know i i get back to town and pause the first pa- thing I do. pause for a second here on this one man and i'm not mean to interject here tell me how good that hug was when you got both the girls in your arms oh my gosh bro like it, it was amazing like like even even at just such a young age like that really it clicked in my head like i went from you know my early 20s to a, a mature 40 because i understood so much in that moment you know and the other thing too is i'll tell you a side story please so when when their mom had called me she had told me like my boyfriend is you know is getting rough with them and abusing them Oh and, no. um, yes, bro. So oh, when I no. get out there, I met her at a gas station to get my daughters. Well, their mom decides it's a good idea to bring this guy with her. So it was an escape okay. situation and she was so brainwashed by the guy that she brought them with them. Fuck. Right. So I'm putting my daughters in the car, bro. And this guy's got his little fucking beady eyes on me and he won't take them off. Huh. Right. And so I'm putting my youngest daughter, Mariah in the car and I'm strapping her in and I pull my head out of the car and this guy's still looking at me. And I tell him, you know what? If you don't take your little beady eyes off me. I'm going to rip them out and shove them up your ass and put them back in place. And you know, the weirdest thing, this was, this was literally the darkest place, the darkest you know, 20 to 30 seconds of my life because I looked at this man and it was something like, I want you, you guys like movies. So you, you can understand this. Think of a movie scene where everything's like happy and joyful. Right. And Mm -hmm. then, and then everything goes dark. The atmosphere goes dark. The, the music, you know, changes and goes to that ominous type music. Right. Ezekiel 25, 17. Right. And as I'm looking at this guy, like the, the sun fades away and everything gets dark. And in my mind, I can see me beating this man, not just beating him, but beating him to death. Right. Because of what he's done to my daughters. I can feel his bones literally cracking in my hands. I can hear his bones as if it's really happening. Um, And then just like in the movies, like, I feel my daughter like pull on my shirt and say, "Daddy, let's go bye bye." That's your time machine. That's your time machine. You you, yep. you you beat this guy to death in actual reality, but then in reality, you had a time machine came back and chose different, and now. Yeah, and I mean, just hearing her say, "Daddy, let's go bye bye," like I got it. Like, yes, I want to. I want to kill this guy, but. If I go to jail, like, what do my daughters have? What like, are they have? in the same situation? They're gonna stay with their mom, and they're not. They're gonna be in the same situation. Meth. So, I, I close the door, and I swear to you guys, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do is walk away from, from a guy that you know hurt your daughters, but, you know, you got to do it for their sake. 
Yeah, I, and, couldn't, uh, I couldn't imagine. I so I got back in my car. We this. drove back to Denver. And uh, first thing I did was drop, drop my kids off with my mom. And I went and filed custody papers. And um, see, <clears throat> their mom's mom had went back to pick her up because I was like, yeah, fuck you. You ain't coming back with me. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're, you're, you're fast-forwarding too fast again. <laughs> Two questions. Meth? Okay. Meth? What were they on? What do you mean? The the, the, the boyfriend and ex-girlfriend, baby mama. Was it meth? Actually, no. You know, the, she wasn't on anything. I think he was just an alcoholic. Second question. Tell me about how fucking glorious that road trip back was. Tell me about the Slim Jims. Tell me about the Happy Meals. T- tell me about the, the pee breaks. Give me give me the juice, man. Man, I'll tell you what. For, from a father standpoint, it, it was really nice knowing they were safe. Um, but unfortunately, the you know, the ride back wasn't as, as great as you might think. Um because there was one instant I remember, especially my youngest daughter, you know, because she was so young when she when she was taken from me, and when she left, when her mom left with her, um, like she knew me, and she, and and she loved me, but, but we didn't have, you know, with my other daughter, you know, they're two years apart, so my other daughter was three years three years old, my youngest daughter was just a little over one. So you can kind of see where I'm going with this. Like right. I didn't have all that time. Didn't have that bond. You know, and you, and you think, yeah, you think two years isn't a lot. But, you know, I'll tell you, going through what I went through, two years is, is, is an eternity. Um, so driving back, like at one point, Mariah, she spilled a drink on her. And as I'm driving, I reach back to help her. And uh, she expected hurt. Yeah, man. She Hold on a sec. Just yeah, one, it's just one of the, it's no, it's just one of those yeah, things when 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 you, when you reel like you know, uh, people people tell me uh, I act feral, and like what happened? To you? Don't worry about it. <laughs> spilled the spill like I, I, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, uh, like twenty twelve. Um, uh, came to visit mom and dad, and uh, was pouring some ranch dressing on a salad, and the uh, the cap came off, and just ranch went everywhere. And I froze, and then you know I cleaned it up, and and then uh, she's like, "Are you all right?" And I'm like, "I'm fine." She's like, "No, I saw your face turn like you were when you were little, like you expected a beating." Right. Yeah, and, I, and that's exactly what happened. I turned back to kind of dry her off, you know. And I remember even at the time, I you know I, I said something like, "Oh, you silly goose," you know. Right. And uh, she she covered up, like literally covered up, like. You know, you know what I'm saying, Tom? Like when you yeah, get whipped no. into the corner and I tell you, hey, cover up. Mm-hmm. Like this is what she did. She covered up and tried to get like away from me. And man, like that just ripped my heart out because, you know, and, and that's I knew a, that's, a learned, that's a learned reaction is what that is. That is a learned reaction. And it is much easier to un, uh, to learn that reaction than it is to unlearn it. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, at that point, I, I knew, like, okay, like, some stuff has happened, and it's going to take a long time 
to make this right. Um, you know, so, you know, going back to, you know, the original question, like, yeah, my, my quicksand is, is wrestling, but ultimately, you know, it, it is my daughter's. And if, if something is wrong with them, like that's when the quicksand will start pulling me in. But, um, you know, ultimately if my daughters are in a good place and they're safe, like I can stand on the quicksand and stand on top of it, you know? Well, obviously, obviously they're safe now. How are they doing, man? They're doing good, man. You know, Winter, like, I don't know. She She's my oldest, and, and she, you know, she was having a hard time really catching on to the adult life because she wanted, she loves waiting tables, but she just wasn't making any money. So, you know, like, that was really stressful for me because, like, you know, come on, baby, you got to get a better job, like, I understand you love it, but it's not doing you any favors. So, you know, I stressed out about that a lot, but now she, uh, you know, she's got a good job and she's doing good and, and, you know, making some strides to better herself. So that, you know, that really makes my heart happy. And, and then, you know, like, kind of like we talked earlier, you know, Mariah, she graduates next month and she's finished high school and she's uh, working at McDonald's and, they've already told her that they want to make her a manager when she turns 18. And so, you know, like, I'm just really proud of them. They're doing awesome. And then, you know, Mariah's even told McDonald's like, yeah, I'll be a manager, but like, I'm going to go back to school. So, you you know, don't expect a whole lot from me. And, you know, she told him like, when I'm here, I'll give you everything I have. But, and, and you know, she's still trying to decide what she wants to do. You know, she, it, it sounds like she might go to school to be a paramedic which oh, awesome. I think, it, you awesome. know, I think it's amazing because if, you know, if she becomes a paramedic, like there's a lot more doors and opportunities for her. She can go back to school and, and become a nurse or, you know, she's talked about maybe being a surgeon, you know. So I think, you know, if she does become a paramedic, it's a good uh, stepping stone and launching pad for her. Morales, you got you to gotta tell me your favorite memory of Mr. Juicy here, man, because this guy is a fucking sweetheart. It's awesome. Well, like the shooting star always comes to freaking mind. That's just this is funny. Like since everything worked out all right, um, fucking you know, like I said, one of the biggest things, man, is I've always, I've always just respected Junsu as a man. Like freaking, he was of the of the fusion guys. He was the one guy that like had kids, and like you you can hear it in his voice now. The way he just is so proud of his daughters. And like as like as a man, I just always respected that about him that no matter what, you know, you knew his kids were first and freaking like I I always respected how like I, I, I'd never I, I didn't know till how I till I was a dad and you know, like me and my wife are married and everything's great. And like so I never had to like be put in that position of being a single father. But like the fact that he had you know, he was strong enough to handle that and like he handled it like effortlessly to the guys that watched him. Like he's been he's been doing this shit since he was eighteen, and like I you know I I more than tip my hat to you as a man for being able to handle that you know the way you did. Man, I appreciate those kind of words. That means a lot, bro. Yeah, no, dude. I've always, I've always thought like I I knew that about you from like the first time you know, uh, first time I remember seeing Junsu. I think it was a, a Mile High Pro Wrestling show. And we talked about it later on, 
but like they had a, uh, you know, Beetlejuice had brought him to the show and we just like kind of watch these guys and, you know, I, you know, none of us, you know, we all thought we knew what we were doing, but we didn't at the time. <laughs> Again, you know, I remember being in a tag match and him just sitting in the crowd, just like, like part of me was kind of like, you know, you know, as I said, I, at the time I didn't really, I, I didn't understand things the way I do now. And I was kind of like, you know, this guy thinks he, you know, this guy thinks he's hot shit. And then like, once I actually met him, it was like, you know, this guy's actually, you know, same thing. Like one of my best friends in the business, one of the easily one of the top five coolest guys I know freaking, you know, it was just kind of, I've always kind of, it's always been interesting how like, you know, when you're young and wrestling, like you think all these like lines between promotions matter. Right. Like they, they, they don't necessarily, like, you can dislike people, but like, especially with the fu- with the fusion thing, because it was like you were if you worked for fusion, you couldn't work anywhere else. Right, and right. at the time, it it made sense as a trade off, because the training was so much better, at the time than what everybody else was offering. Of course, because like like I said, it had that that outside ability to freaking uh, it had that outside knowledge coming in. And we were able to bring in guys like a Matt Stryker or a Bison Smith from Japan or freaking Harley Race and Les Thatcher. And, uh, you know, Trevor Murdoch eventually showed up. Rosie showed up. Stevie Richards showed up. Ooh, AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley were on the same show in Fusion. Rosie, you know, I love that guy. Yeah. There were, there were you know, God rest his soul as well. You know, they were just, there were so many opportunities that weren't presented elsewhere that it, it made sense to to you know not wrestle anywhere else in state you know but like you know that was real like and while you know that was going on though you know a lot of us that had been outside beforehand like i was saying earlier you know a lot of us maintained those friendships with guys that weren't fusion and it was never like it was never said that you should like it was never forced on us that you should not be friends with these guys. Right. But there was always kind of that like underlying tension about it. Like you were oh, yeah. you, like you shouldn't hang out with these guys because they're not as good as us. Right. And it well, it was not like I said it was any there was never anything that was said. But there is definitely that underlying tension. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. And freaking it was just, you know, that was just kind of what we did at the time. And, you know, there was a long time when, like, you know, it was easy to get that mentality in your head where, you know, oh, we're better because we're fusion guys. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, if you looked at it from one angle, oh, yeah, totally. We were better, blah, blah, blah. We were better in ring technicians. The show was run smoother, blah, 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 blah. But on the other hand, you know, people were, they were doing different things and people started bringing in other guys. And, like, fusion kind of, felt like it stagnated over time, whereas some other places were, you know, stepping up their games. You know, really? you, you, feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong on that one, Gene, too, but that's always kind of what I felt. No, man, I, I'm 100% with you. Like, that's that's kind of the way it was back then. You know, not bad-mouthing anybody, but that that's literally how it was. You know, and then there was even... You know, it's the reverse of that. You had, you know, other people 
that weren't in fusion that would look at us like, oh, you guys think you're better than us or you guys are trash or whatever. That's just the way it was back then. Yeah. Can you see Barry Morales? <laughs> Let's Barry hear it. Morales. Let's hear it. Man, I, I can't bury this guy. I love this guy so much, but he obviously I, shit I his pants be... somewhere. I, 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 like, I met this guy. I'm like, I know this guy shit his pants somewhere. I want to show. Well, you know, saying that, saying that, I think, uh, and, and and Morales will probably help me out with the details. It, it's <laughs> it's so funny because I got there's so, I I can tell you so many stories, but then I know there's fans and other wrestlers that tell me stories that. I've totally forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's stories I have that I, you know, I unconsciously, like not on purpose, I just, I leave out details because, you know, like I've experienced, you know, I've been blessed enough to experience so much. But uh, there was a time it was at the Red Lion Hotel. Uh-huh. It was a Fusion Pro match. And it was me and Morales. And this man. Was it the chairs match? Oh, I don't See, that's a detail I don't remember. I, yeah, I maybe say, it was a chairs Depending on what story you're going to tell, I'm pretty sure it was a chairs match. I'll correct you if I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. I said shit your oh. pants match, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but this man proceeds to hand me, and keep in mind at the time, I hadn't started speaking English. So, you know, the, the, the story and the gimmick was that I was still, you know, only speaking Japanese, and and I would grunt and and sound like a caveman a lot. I sound more like a caveman than I did Japanese, let's put it that way. Were you the American... So hands me... Were you the American Ibiza? Ish. Ish. <laughs> and I say ish lately. <laughs> he, had, he had his hair up and he had to freaking hit the paint and the whole nine. Noise. Oh, yeah. And uh, so this man proceeds to hand me one of them, you know, those red heart chocolate boxes you get at Valentine's Day. Yeah, <laughs> and I open it, and and I'm playing to the crowd like I'm real happy because there's gonna be some chocolate in there, right? There ain't no damn chocolate in there, Josh. I was hungry. <laughs> I think deodorant and maybe body spray, and maybe a toothbrush or something. Uh, I can't remember what was in there, and, but I, I remember because I was cutting that promo, and I was running long, and freaking under your breath, you were like, "Hurry the fuck up." Let's get we, we, get, we have a whole See, match I don't remember you, that either. And you're over here freaking going, and you're over here freaking, you know, saying Shakespeare. We we got a match to do if you if you don't mind. <laughs> if you don't mind, but but what I do remember is I remember the start of the match, like, or or maybe it wasn't the start of the match. Maybe it was just my reaction um, to what was in the box. Like you legitimately look like you shit your pants, and I, I don't know if I just played it off that well. You know, I'm sure some of it was you as well, but I remember getting to the back and and you had told me because I remember when I got my hands on you and I gave you a couple strikes. I remember you saying, "But I'm in the zone," and the crowd was kind of hot, so I I couldn't hear you. Uh huh. And. Uh, and I remember we got to the back, and you you were telling me a story like, "Yeah, man, like you look so pissed off. Like I thought I was gonna shit myself." And then you had told me, <laughs> and then you punched me so hard that I thought I really did offend you, 
because I almost <laughs> shit myself again. Time for receipt. <laughs> that was definitely You're a right. chairs match for sure. Because the whole joke ended up being the combatai joke. That was the one word you would constantly say with combatai. And the whole joke was that I didn't yeah, realize combatai, what combatai meant. Uh, yeah, it means like fight. Yeah, it meant fight. Donde ska. Like, the whole joke, I was, yeah, it was, ba- it was basically donde ska. <laughs> the whole time I was like, combatai. And like he perked up, he was like, combatai. And I was like, combatai. <laughs> and he got a little louder, combatai. And I was like, combatai. And then he kicked my ass. And then he combatied all over. Yeah. <laughs> Where on OnlyFans can I find that uh, footage? Uh, just asking okay. for a friend. <laughs> that was totally the chairs match. Because <laughs> there, there's oh, footages of it. Because oh, the whole joke was that was we did the freaking triple threat match, Yumi and Diamond, the month beforehand. And that was the one where freaking Al Snow first showed up. And freaking, okay. that's where I busted you. I busted you open with the chair, hard way. Oh yeah, so got chair, on my head. And it freaking went, and I ended up hitting you, and it like it bent behind the, your head and hit and freaking cracked you open in the back of the head. Yeah, because you hit me with the wrong side of the chair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I still got young. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> Whoopsie. So, yeah, that's what it was. It was freaking. That's what led to that match. Because I hit you with the chair, and then next month we had the chairs match, and then the month after that, you freaking wrestled. You won the chairs match, so you freaking got to wrestle Diamond for the belt, and you won the belt. Right, Oof. I do remember that now. Oh, okay, and you know that, what? That together. Okay, what's up? Oh, Josh, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you this story of Tom Dude, Momo shitting himself. I gotta hear it, because I brought up the <laughs> shitting yourself. Apparently it was a thing okay. I just psychically brought up. <laughs> Well, it's seriously, Tom's going to know exactly where I'm going about five words into this. Uh-huh. So, I think I've already got, Primo's, already got an idea. Yep. Primo's Tag Team Championship match. All right. So, check this out. I, I don't, Tom, what was what was your partner's name? Because I, for the life uh, of me, can't remember. It was B, uh, B Still Savaje Dos. <laughs> and it yeah, was him and Joey Kincaid defending the Primo's Tag Champs. And I was, I was yeah. Golden Star, my lucha gimmick at the time. Right. That's who it was, La Bastia, right? That was La what Bastia, it was for yeah. short. Mm-hmm. Okay, so me, me, and, and Kincaid, we're the Night Terrors at the time, and we are Primo's tag team champions. And and, and not toot my own horn, but we were fucking hot at the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like we were going back. You know what we were talking about earlier with Fusion. Like, it was more of a technical type promotion, right? Yep. Um. And then you had, you know, IWF and, and stuff that was more of a hardcore promotion, right? Mm-hmm. Well, me and Kincaid, like, we just fit into primos just because, like, they just wanted to see people get the hell beat out of them and see a little blood. Of course. Well, me and Kincaid can do that really well. Yeah. So we were really hot at the time. And for whatever reason, like, you know, I'm not going to bury anybody or, or shoot on anybody, but there was there was some heat somewhere. And I, I, think, I, was, I, I want to say there was either some, like either he, you guys had gotten snugged or stiffed, or like something had gone. Some you guys with something was planned out and something didn't go to plan. It was one of those two things. Well, no, no, no. I mean, the, no. The heat I'm talking about is that because we were so hot, me and Kincaid never felt like it made sense to take the the, the straps off of us. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Right? Yeah. 
and so there was heat between the promoter and, and somebody else, whatever. Um, but we were cool with it. We were like, okay, you know, don't agree with it. It, it doesn't make sense. It's not going to help Primo's. Like, Primo's has what you know what they need with us right now, mm-hmm. and you're just going to take that away. It doesn't make sense. But we were yeah. like, okay, cool. You know what? Whatever. We'll, we'll do the job. No problem. So we. You know, we're in the back with with Tom and in, in La Bastia, and and we're putting together what I thought was going to be a great match. Yeah. And um. So we start the match, and and I don't remember who's. Oh well, Tom started. Yeah. And I don't know if it was me or Kincaid that started, but you know everything was going going along as planned, and and me and Zach tagged in and out real quick, and we were getting, you know, getting our shine. And then, uh, if I remember right, I, I think Tom was going to get the tag, and, and that was where the cutoff was going to come from. Mm-hmm. And we get to the cutoff, and all of a sudden, Tom's tag partner, he just goes fucking AWOL, for lack of a better term. Like, everything we had discussed in the back, nothing. Like, That's he just started right. doing his own thing, and he was in business for himself. Well, me and Zach took a, pe- a beat down for about 10 minutes or so not getting any hope any you know anytime we try to get some hope or a comeback like immediately it was cut off <clears throat> and uh so i think finally tom tagged in and we did get to a point where we did a double down and i crawled over to, to kincaid and i said you know i'm about tired of this shit and he said yeah me too and we said okay fuck it and and this was and i've always said this it was nothing against tom because I don't even think Tom realized what was going on because every time he was in the ring, like everything got back on track. Like we were doing what we talked about and everything, but when his partner was in the ring, like it was just fucking chaos. And so me and Zach finally just said, fuck it. And, you know, I was sell before this had happened. I, you know, I had drugged myself over to the, the ropes and I was selling. And, uh, once we decided we were, we were done with it. Like, I just quit selling, got up, and we just started going to town. And unfortunately, Tom just became collateral damage. He had no clue as to what was going on. Damn. And uh, and I'm, I'm I know me and Zach, we were laying shit in pretty heavy. And uh, yeah, there there was I definitely think- a turn where you could tell. Like that was my thought process. Like you guys are normal, like you guys, you know, we all we all three of us like to connect. We all know that. But freaking, right. there was definitely a, there was definitely like a turn in the match where I was like. That's harder than expected. That's harder right. than expected. That hurt. And I, I remember going to the back and I was afterwards and I was like, I looked at Zach and I was like, what happened? And Zach's just like, it's not you. As, yep. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't look me in the eye. And that was, was that was because, because Zach, Zach has never been that pissed off at me. And like, like there was that moment where I was, and he, all he would say to me was, it wasn't you brother. It wasn't you. And I was like, what was it then? Because I had no idea what was going on at that point. But you and still got the receipt. Like after, Afterwards, we we all sat down. And like I was like, oh. Well, and if you that remember, too, me. when we got to the back, the whole locker room had to uh, had to separate me and, and La Bastia because towards the end of the match, before I did the job, because um, I think you pinned me, Tom. Um I- so I can't, I can't be a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, cause I, I remember thinking I'm not laying down for that motherfucker. He better go get, you know, he better go get, 
Morales. But what had happened was one of the plans. So this motherfucker, the whole match, he doesn't do anything that we planned. Towards the end of the match, we start brawling outside, and all of a sudden, this motherfucker want to do, he wants to hit a spot that we planned. And the spot was he was going to climb up to the top rope and hit me with a cross body from the top rope to the floor. Well, uh, I was beyond, like, fuck this guy. Like, it wasn't happening. So this yeah. motherfucker climbs up, and I stand there and give him the impression that I'm going to catch him. And as he leaps, as he leaps off the top rope, and he sprawls out, like he has no time to catch himself. I turn around and walk away. And he hits the ground so fucking hard. Like, he, I'm surprised he didn't, he didn't crack a rib or something. Yeah. Um, so when we got to the back, he was pissed off about that. And the whole locker room had to, had to separate us because we were getting ready to go blows. God damn. How does yeah. they... How, uh, so this is a primo show. I mean, like... A lot of big motherfuckers, a lot of hardcore motherfuckers. Separating yeah, I mean, separating you guys? Oh, it, well, if anybody who's ever been to a Primo show understands that a, a typical Primo show back then was like 14, 15 matches. So yeah. there was a whole lot of talent in the back. Um, but yeah, I just, I remember, you know, same thing when I was working on Tom in a match. I remember him saying... What's going on? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, there there was a stark contrast. Like you could just tell when the flip the switch flipped. And I was just like, I just remember being like, what the hell did I do? <laughs> right. Right. And, and yeah, I've spent years telling Tom, yeah, sorry about that, buddy. Uh, it's all good. I want to. And the, the the sad thing about it is, freaking he uh, Bestia. I think he worked one show for. Primos had a lucha subsection called Evolucha. And then freaking he worked that show and we never saw him again. Like we never oh. once like they made a big deal of putting the belts on us and then we never defended them. Oh damn. Yeah, cuz I think that was right around the time you had left Primos relatively shortly after that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I still I still worked there for at least 6 months to a year. And like freaking, cause like I, cause after Bestia left, I ended up me as Morales. I ended up teaming with uh, Jason Knowles at Three Hundred Three Fight Club. Nice. Because they wanted us to freaking, because uh, they wanted to play off. Because at the time, Primos was really like if you were all the all the Hispanic guys were in a group or all the black guys were in a group, and freaking they wanted to, like they wanted to play off the fact that me and Jason Knowles were mixed. And I was like, no, that's stupid. So to piss them off, I, I came up with the, the we, we went with the tag team name of Fusion SE for Fusion Special Edition. We were both Fusion guys. And I only did that because I knew it would piss Joey off. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> and freaking um, once, once I got his attention, I was like, what if we just call ourselves the 303 Fight Club? I'll just go with that. It'll be cool. Because you hate Fusion SE, and I hate I, – I, I can't remember what it was, but it was some stupid tag name based on the fact that we were a black guy and a Hispanic guy. And I oh, hated geez. it. I, I can't remember – it was something – I can't even remember what it was at this point, but it was something stupid. And I Sounds just like – oh. I, I can't even remember what it was off the top of my head. Like I, I, I might have – I'd have to ask Jason. He might know. 
but I just did not want to do it. And freaking, I love to tag it with Jason. I'll do it again anytime. But freaking, I couldn't stand whatever tag name they came up with. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't think I ever heard that story. Because yeah, yeah, you're right. I think, I think the night that happened, I think that was the last time Zach wrestled for Primos, and I think I did maybe two or three more shows. Yeah, because we were going to do the freaking, uh, soon after that was the infamous chair versus chain match between Tony Morales and Junsu that never happened because you didn't know you were booked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and still in 20 years, that's the, no, actually, no, that was the first time of two times in 20 years oh. I missed the booking. Mm-hmm. And I think, what was the other one? The other one was with CSW, right? Yeah, because you didn't know you didn't you weren't booked for CSW, and like yeah. you you were like booked in the tag tournament or something like that. But you were booked as a singles guy in the tag tournament. Yeah, and I had no clue. because that makes sense. I I, re, I remember Morales calling me saying, "Hey, where you at?" And I'm like, "I'm at home. What's up?" <laughs> I mean, I'm on my way. If you can give me directions really quick, because uh, some stuff happened. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I made it. I made it a point to tell everybody because I was like, because it was I mean, it was the uh, the previous Booker of CSW, and freaking uh, like four bookers ago, technically, but the the pre the pre me freaking Vanity Inc. leaving the first time freaking Booker, and freaking uh, yeah, he he was booking guys on the show, but not telling them they were booked. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was gonna say. I I couldn't even tell Tom. Um, I'm on my way. Like I didn't even know I was supposed to be there. <laughs> Hmm. It's all right. Everything's That's all good. That's crazy, man. There, Who are you wrestling? This this business is it's so amazing, and I mean, there's it's so full of of, of shit that you just you, you know the old saying you can't make this shit up. Like that is the wrestling business. That saying is could never be more true. Like. I'm sure football players, professional football players, I'm sure they have funny stories. I'm sure, you know, actors and actresses on set have funny stories. But I would put a wrestling story up against anybody's story anytime. And Hands a wrestling down. story is always going to win. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. I remember the first time uh, I was booked to uh, to run something uh, for sound. And, oh, brother, uh, he's got your envelope. Okay. Uh, oh, he's got your envelope. Oh, he just told me that you had my envelope. Let's go talk to him. And But what was really happening in my head right now was, this is my first time getting screwed. Right. <laughs> I saw it coming, but it was I just, I was ready for it. I was so ready. Let's go talk to this guy. Come on, come on. I was doing the Chris Hansen. Go ahead, sit down. Take a seat. Take a seat. <laughs> we're we're going to... That's... We're, we're going to talk about this. It was 15 bucks, but that was my 15 bucks. <laughs> Hey, 15 bucks, man. There's principal behind that. You're goddamn I right. I see less about the 15 bucks. It's the principal that I'm going to whoop your ass over. Yeah, it was, it, 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 but I got to say, uh, I'm 6'3". Uh, a lot of people don't mess with me. But uh, it was, it was, it was, I, was, I was excited about my first time getting screwed in the business. <laughs> <laughs> so the first time I got screwed in the business was, uh, it was almost literal. And, and you'll see where I'm going with this in a minute. You remember Wheeler? Morales? Yeah. So, I, Josh, I don't know if you know, but the, the guy that owns owns the Pleasure Sex Shop. 
No, but uh, I would like to meet him, or maybe not. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. So this guy, I was working for RMCW at the time, and this guy, uh, you know, like, he was doing a, a show in his parking lot at his location off of, like, Colfax, and I don't even remember the cross street. It, it's, it's always like on Colfax. Colfax. It's always yeah, on Colfax. Colfax and Federal, because, you know, Federal's the, it's like in between Sheridan and, and Federal and Colfax. And uh, so they come to me, and they want me to do this crazy bump off the ring through a table to the asphalt. And he was like, yeah, I'll give you an extra, you know, 100 bucks if you'll do it. I was like, well, fuck, 200 bucks? That's the best payday I've had. Like, fuck, yeah, I'll do it. So long story short, like, I do the bump, and, and everything goes over well. And, and I mean, there's, you know, kind of like we were talking earlier, there was 30 people in the crowd, but. You know, I fucking gave him something to remember. And uh, so then I go talk to, to Blind Mike, who was the promoter, and he's like, oh, yeah, go talk to Wheeler. He'll have your money. So I'm like, okay. So I go into the into the sex shop to find Wheeler to get my money, and he's nowhere to be found. So I go back to Blind Mike. Wait, wait hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're, you're talking about Wheeler. Is this a three-speed, four-speed, or one of those things that's got that rabbit thing that goes on the side? Oh, no, it's just the name of the guy. I'm just fucking with you, man. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so I go back to, yeah, I'm dealing with a sex shop owner and a wrestler who's legally blind. You can figure out how good this is going to go. Right. So I go back to Blind Mike, and he's like, oh, no, he's in there. Trust me. And he's like, oh, look, there he is right there. So I go in there, and I'm like, hey. Give me my damn money. The dude starts running, bro. And I'm chasing this motherfucker around a sex store trying to get money. Like, how fucked up is that? Hustlers going this way. Penthouse is going that way. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I'm saying in the wrestling business. You can't make this shit up. No, you can't. I'm chasing a sex shop owner and dealing with a a legally blind wrestler trying to get money. On Colfax. They, sounds sounds like what happens on Colfax, man. I remember one time I was uh, I was dating this girl that uh, uh, her roommate was a drug dealer, and I'm on my way out. I'm leaving through the garage, and there's a literal laundry hamper filled with Super Nintendo games, and I've got my backpack on me. And I'm like, okay, no one's gonna know. <laughs> No one's going to know. It should have been on Colfax. This story should have been on Colfax, where I stole a bunch of Super Nintendo games from a chick I was banging who happened to live with a drug dealer that had a bunch of Super Nintendo games. But it's pretty much the same story. But I didn't get to beat anyone up, or at least chase anyone, but it was still worth it. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I, I never did get my money. Oh shit, man. It's one of those things, man. That's how it goes. True. It, at least, at least you did what you had to do, man. Did you? What was that? What was that look of fear in his face, man? Oh, dude, he was shitting bricks. <laughs> like, because I, I was gonna fucking tear his ass up. I didn't care. I was gonna grab a dildo and stick it up his ass, and then <laughs> grab another one and shove it down his throat. And, and I think I actually told him that, and he actually like he pulled. He had this. Uh, I don't want to call it a display, but it was like a, a rack. And it was on wheels. And that's actually how he ended up getting away because he, he pulled it over in my way. And uh, and he ran out the front door. And by the time I got to the front door, I didn't know which way he went. And I think that was actually also the last 
I worked for RMCW. If I remember, I don't remember too well on that timeline, but <laughs> going out with the bang. Yeah, in the, in the section on Colfax. <laughs> right. And then, Tom, you probably remember this one. We were at uh, the Mile High Dog Tracks in the uh, the haunted house building uh-huh. where we did shows. Yeah. So, Josh, keep in mind, at the time, I worked for Wonder Bread Hostess, and I worked like 14, 15-hour days, right? Yeah, you drove the truck, right? Yeah. So, on Saturdays, when we would do our show, like, I had to work that morning. So, by the time I showed up to the show, like... You know, the previous night, so Friday night, I went to work midnight, 1230 or whatever, and, and worked all night through. So a lot of times I, I would come to the show and help set up, and then everybody would go get lunch. And, you know, I would just take a nap in the rings. That way, showtime came, I was ready to go. Mm-hmm. Well, for whatever reason, this particular day, I came in and set up the ring. And, uh, you know, we set up the chairs and everything, and uh, everybody went to lunch. Well... I, I don't know there there was a reason I think I think there was some lights on or something we can get them shut off or something so I decide and proceed to crawl under the ring and take a nap which you know you think oh what's wrong with that like it's a nar- nice dark place you get some good sleep problem is I slept all the way until the first match of the show <laughs> it was literally it wasn't the sound system. It wasn't the entrance music that woke me up. It was the first big bump of the night that woke me up. So, unbeknownst to me, the show has started. Jeff and Billy are in the back freaking out and pissed off because they think I just fucking walked out on them. <laughs> and the whole time, I've just been sleeping under the ring. So, after the first match, like... I crawl out from under the ring and it was the most embarrassing thing in the world because, you know, they see they the, the fans see Junsu crawling out from under the ring and they think, you know, I'm going to do something or, or there's a new storyline. And no, I just walked to the back like as fast as I can. Junsu blew his spot, brother. <laughs> right. Man, it, would have better, it would have been better if you like just came out with like a bag of chips, just like confused, just acting like you belong there. <laughs> Have yeah, a photo in one hand, a teddy bear in the other. You gotta sell it. You gotta sell it, baby. But yeah, man. And see, that's what I'm saying. There's so many stories in this business that, like, if you weren't there, you almost couldn't believe it. No. Yep. Well, God I mean, damn, There's man. a time we went to Texas and we stopped at Brahms and we forgot about the time change. <laughs> oh, yeah. I almost missed the show. Man, Brahms, Brahms, uh, my uh, my big brother is dying of cancer. I'm, I'm hauling ass from uh, Colorado Springs to Norman. I mean, he was my big brother. He understood. Second, I saw oh. Brahms. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I'm, I'm calling every ten minutes. He's still alive. He's still alive. See you, Brahms. Uh, I like the uh, blue cheeseburger with the crinkle fries. <laughs> he would oh, understand. <laughs> Yeah, that trip to Texas was one of the best trips ever. Uh, oh, it's the first time I ever had Brahms. It's the first time I had Whataburger. It's the first time I had Bahama Bucks. Ooh. Oh, you got to get your buck on. got to get your buck on. Yeah. Everybody and needs to get bucking every now and again. And me, and, in that same road trip, me and Zach started shooting on somebody for being an idiot. 
And then about an hour later, Tom is, is chewing somebody out in the middle of the ring, in the middle of a match, in the middle of a show. And then he in proceeds. Front of a live studio audience. Yep. And then he proceeds to come to the, the locker room and continue to chew him out to the point where it was uncomfortable. <laughs> God damn. That was a hell of a road trip. Funny thing is, last time we wrestled down there, I wrestled the same guy. And freaking, we had a great, we had a great match. There you go. After after that incident, never had another problem with him. Good kid. Hey, that's good to hear. But see that that's a testament to Tom right there. Like, you know, like he he very well could have uh, just told that kid to you know, hey, go fuck yourself. Don't ever look at me again. But you know, he. No, that was last night. <laughs> hey, um, I I did my best, man. I it, it like I I I like I I figured out like I had to. I was man, I was all. <laughs> I was a tangled ball of string before we got to Lapa. Because when we the time we got sat down, I was I was cool, man. Like it was like one of those. It was a weird night for me, man. Yeah, it happens. But yeah, no, freaking. Uh, yeah, that was. Brian Rage Rivera, freaking good guy, freaking good freaking West Texas kid, freaking bright future. Just a little green at the time, that's all. Yeah. Just didn't freaking, you know, just kind of, he was young, freaking tried to get something in that didn't work out, and I let him know, and after that, like I said, I said, you know, I said my piece, we talked about it, and freaking never had another issue. How bad you make him cry, man? How bad you make him cry? That one I didn't. I've, I've definitely made people cry over the years, but... Freaking, uh, it was like I said. That guy, if freaking, you know, you you like like I was talking earlier with the dreamer story. There's two <laughs> ways to take it. Either freaking, you know, he's crapping all over you, or he's trying to tell you something. It's your job whether you listen or not. It's it's all about being coachable, man. It's it's one of uh, what's one of the things that sold me on Morales was the the coachableness when he when he was talking about uh, a few particular wrestlers that uh, obviously I'm not going to mention, but. It, his problem wasn't their um, age, their enthusiasm, lack of enthusiasm. It's all about coachability. Yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. He's he's definitely got that talent. Thank you. Yeah, get, it's 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 all about. Yes, sir. We got a list. We got a shit to do, and it's we and their executor. Shit, man! Like, God, we're we're in line and getting pizza a couple weeks ago, man, and. Cardona's in the back seat, and we are roasting the living dog shit of this guy. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, like he, he's he's a good worker. I mean, he's, his heart's in the right spot. I mean, he, he does everything. I mean, there's, there's no, like, you know, other side of that. But we roasted the living shit out of this guy, man. And, like, it, it was a solid, like, 45 minutes of just fucking laughing our asses off, man. It was like, okay, you either keep up or you get out the car. Uh-huh. There's no uh, other way around it, man. Like, uh, shit, man. Tides could have turned on me. I just got lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But then we kind of got off subject, though, because, I mean, Juicy, you talked about how you um, you left the business for about two years. What brought you back? Yeah. Oh, bro. It was just the itch, man. Like, I- I've heard you say before, Morales, like, the wrestling bug, it- you can walk away, but it's going to bite you again. And it bit me hard, like, I, I just knew, like, I got to get back into wrestling. Like, uh, I can't be without wrestling. Like, I love this shit too much, and, and I've worked too hard. 
And actually, you know, that's funny because that's that's a that's another story in itself. Um, when I decided to come back, we uh, I had contacted Tamara and 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 Joe. They were running IWF at the at the time, and I don't know, man. I, I was. I was nervous to contact them because I was afraid, like, they'd tell me no or, you know, like, I don't know. It's, uh, that may have been one of my, my experiences or not really experience, but like a reminder of just how close the rest wrestling family is, you know, um, because I was so afraid to call them and I, and I called them and they were like, yeah, done. You've already got a spot on a card. Like we're doing this. And, uh, and I, I had originally told him, like, I'm just going to come back part-time, like, you know, every few months or whatever. And, you know, by the time it was all said and done, I was, I was full-time. But uh, um, they brought me back. The night they brought me back, they put me in the main event. And they were putting IWF's hardcore title on me. So that made me even more nervous because I went from <clears throat> being worried about if if Tom and or uh, Joe and Tamara are gonna you know let me come back or not, and they let me come back, so I go from worrying about that to worrying, okay, is the crowd gonna remember me? Like I've been gone for two years, like I'm not famous, I'm not a household name. Like, are these guys even gonna care that I'm coming back, or am I just gonna pop the boys in the back? You know what I'm saying? Right. So the night I come back, I sit in the crowd. And it was actually the anniversary show that they did every year for Beetlejuice. And, and that was, you know, one of the reasons that was the show I wanted to come back on. Um, because Beetlejuice did mean so much to me. And so I'm sitting front row all night and like, keep in mind when I left the business, like I disappeared. Um, crazy Nate told me one time that not just did I disappear, but He's like, you were mysterious. Like, nobody heard from you. We didn't see you. You were just there one day and gone no. the next. And um, so when I was sitting in the front row, you know, everybody would make their entrances and they would see me and, and like, you know, kayfabe would go out the window because, you know, they'd fucking stand right in front of me and give me a hug and everything. And, and this happened all night long. So... The uh, the angle that we did to bring me back was I was married at the time, and it was going to be they they promoted uh, Joey Terrifying versus uh, Kincaid, and when Kincaid made his entrance, um, Joey Terrifying attacked him and you know basically injured him so he couldn't wrestle that night, and so I went to check on Kincaid to see if he was okay, you know, and do all that that jazz. Well, in the meantime, Joey Terrifying is talking shit to my, you know, my wife at the time. Shit. And um, then he grabs her by the hair. Well, I avert my attention from Kincaid and Joey and start tearing his... Start chasing... What was that? Why'd you want to talk it? We got it. <laughs> my son's up. Sorry, man. We've got it. No, don't be, don't be sorry. We get we get a we get the mysterious Mr. Connor with the ultimate action figure collection. We should bow to him. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> no, he's ready to whoop some ass. He just doesn't know it. See, now think... he's up late playing Lego uh, DC Super Villains. As he should oh. be. So, uh, but yeah, I'm running around, chasing him around the ring. I chasing him through the ring. And at the time, the commissioner, Big Mike Smooth, he's not in on it. No one's seen no in the back except for Tara, Joe, and Zach. And so, uh, Juicy, I think, I think we gotta give Mr. Connor the floor for a moment. And, uh, give me a second here, I'll put him down. We're back. Nah, don't worry about okay. it, man. Don't even worry about it. We get like it's 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 one of those things, man, where uh, I've interviewed a lot of people. I'm like, oh, my kid's interrupting. I'm so sorry. Like, hey, dude, it's a kid. Like, let him interrupt. Let him have some fun. <laughs> right. It's 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 big kid like time. Like I said, I used to. Like I said, I used to bring my daughters to uh, wrestling practice. As you should be, as a good father. So I get it. No, it's it's like, hey man, like uh, like it's uh, I, I had a just random weird stupid story. I had a girlfriend that like was like, "You need an exorcism. You're haunted." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and uh, she told me some fucking gay shit that like I, I, it wasn't even like traditional Catholic like real exorcism. Like it was a it was a survey, <laughs> and um. It was a survey. It was a it was a survey. <laughs> you ever done drugs? Hell yeah, I have. <laughs> and uh, Wait, it, there's people that haven't. <laughs> I know, right? And, and then and then like uh, like I was telling my mom about it, and she was like, "Wait a minute, this bitch thinks yeah. you're this bitch thinks you're you're uh, you're possessed." I'm like I I don't know. And she's like, "Listen, man, kids and dogs flock to you. You got a good soul. Dump this bitch." <laughs> and uh and i was like i get it i get it and uh, you know i knocked it out a few more times you know before that, that that happened but obviously but um i'm just i'm just i'm just making a joke but even then it was just one of those things like man if they if like i've interviewed people like your kids interrupting put them on the fucking mic man let's hear what he thinks yeah. about wrestling man like like it's it's like a <laughs> last night uh Last night at CSW, uh, our Make a Wish kid, it was his birthday. He had he had a ton of his buddies there, like like they filled the legit ground there, and uh, they bought a Bravo Automotive bought automotive here, bought him a, a special belt, like a legit a legit belt, man. I'm we're talking thick leather, like quarter inch uh, plates. I mean, it was a real belt. Goes out there and like, hey, he's getting this belt. He's never wrestled anyone. Like, let's get a ref out here. Strike to the chin. One... No, why? Connor, Connor, what are you doing, man? You got some cool toys. He's just playing with this game. Why? What's he playing? Uh DC, uh, DC super villains. Uh, on the on the Switch or? Yeah, on the Switch. Yeah. Your kids got a switch. No, I have a switch. He just is utilizing my switch. Hey Connor, did you watch WrestleMania? Don't say that for a second. Connor, you see WrestleMania? No, we, only made it, we made it two matches in so far. Cool. We watched uh, Drew and Lashley and the women's tag ta- ta- tag team turmoil match. Who's Who's he playing as? Green Lantern, Superman, uh, Batman. It's this one. This four team is uh, Batman, 
Flash, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. That's a good-ass team. Juicy, who'd you pick on that sort of thing? You Flash got Batman, Wonder Woman, or what? I'm, uh... Yeah, who is it? The DC, Flash right? Flash. Yeah, DC. He's got Batman, Wonder Woman. I think I'm Flash going Wonder Flash. Woman. I'm going Wonder it's Woman on that one. 100%. Yeah. You want, you want to talk about a good friend, man. Like, I, I called Morales, like... What? Middle of a Sunday. Hey, I just got my uh, my bonus from work. And I walked in and bought it. Walked in at Target and found a bunch of McFarlane oh, toys. What do I do? Buy that shit, bro. Now. <laughs> what you? What uh, yeah. What it break? What it break? Buy it. Come on, Connor. Kick some ass, brother. Kick some ass. We got the Connor. Yeah, get him. We got the Connor intervention there, man. Like Connor, Connor, can you hear me? I got. Hey. Hey, Connor, what's up, brother? <laughs> say hi, brother. Hi. We got the Connor good hi, brother. We got the Connor good brother hotline here. Hey, Connor, who, uh, what what are my lucky lottery numbers, man? Connor, what are the lucky lottery numbers? Two. Two. Five and seven. Five, Two, and, five seven. and seven. I wrote those down. I'm going I'm going straight to a gas station after this, man. Yeah. As you should. Hey, you're going to have to split it with me. Hey, that's fine, man. It, 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 we, we split everything here 50-50 in here in my fields, man. Hey, that'll what work. What you do? <laughs> Moved it. Why are you spinning it? We've gotten so far off topic, it's ridiculous. I want to point that out real quick. Hey, it doesn't matter, man. This is minefields. We walk through minefields. It's all about fun. It's all about good brother. It's all about uh, Connor giving me the three lumbers that are going to change my life. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. going to find out the three are. Dude, in a week, it's going to be on like, Colorado News. Three assholes win the lottery. <laughs> all, because, all because of a small child. Small child. Did they celebrate... They celebrate by putting each other through tables. <laughs> hey, I'll take I'll take a table bump. I don't mind. That's it. That's a hell of a headline. <laughs> right a, back, guys. That's a hell of a headline, man. Hey. Now, so, now, now, hey, hold, I, hold on, man. That's I, why. That's why Morales is a good brother. Yes, you know, me and you are on the same wavelength. Because I was just gonna say, you know, like he legit put me over earlier, but I'm gonna return the favor because. Like seeing him be a dad, and and seeing the man that he's become, and like that dude is a wonderful husband, and and a wonderful you know dad, and I mean he's just a wonderful person you know all the way around in every aspect. So, like the way he put me over, like yeah, don't don't anybody misunderstand like that guy, Morales is top notch guy. No, I agree. When uh, I was offered the uh, position as executive producer at CSW, I was like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, bring Morales with me. Um, okay, why? Because uh, my field, uh, we do everything 50 50. All right, but uh, why? Uh, I don't care. <laughs> Morales is coming with me. Morales is coming with me. Um, Morales is here tonight. Yeah, I know. And? Yeah, he's with his family. But he's not here. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's uh, it's uh, one of those things, man. Like, uh, 
Last night when we were we uh, when when we're doing recording, uh, we're gonna let you know. Uh, obviously, we're gonna put you over as well. We we got a really good idea, but having a business meeting with a man like he, it was one of those things. Like I, I've been I've been in a lot of job interviews because I need the goddamn job because I pay my bills. But it was it was a lot more intense than that. Like it's it's man up or shut up because if you make morales look bad, you're fucked. And oh, I know you're you're fucked. And so it was one of those things like it like I like I'll always order a beer when I eat like some hot wings or something like that. No, there's some cherry cokes. Like, we're gonna stay on level tonight. We were there till like fucking like twelve thirty last night, just getting business done, taking notes. But at the same time, though, he understood that I was the note taker. I'm the one that's always on fire, and he's like, listen, he he laid it down. I'm the businessman. This guy's the artist, and uh, just. We're gonna get it done, and this is what we have to offer. And we we blew some minds last night, you know. Like that, we could have gone to an after party after a show. We could have we we could have gone to an after right. party after the show, but without no, we had shit to do. As we do. Gosh, God damn it, you're back. I, I was telling <laughs> I was telling everyone how much of an asshole you are. Don't you shouldn't have heard that. <laughs> right. <laughs> But we've got two, five, and seven. Oh. Three assholes win the lottery tomorrow from three last letters. <laughs> we just got to figure out those last three numbers. We're good. Yep. I mean, maybe maybe it's a combination. Maybe it's like 25 and then maybe uh, 27. Nope, nope. Two, five, seven. Connor didn't stutter. <laughs> it's true. Well, I know. Yeah, those are three of them. But maybe the other three we have to figure out. But it's just a combination of those those three. Six nine six nine six nine two five seven. If he if he's anything like Morales, it's gonna be a six nine six nine six nine, and then whatever. <laughs> That's probably extremely accurate. Nah, nah. Good, good Christian boy. He is a good Christian boy. <laughs> oh, well, Jitsu man, like uh. How do we how do we wind down for this man? This has been road stories. This has been fucking heartfelt fucking meat and potatoes, man. I was texting my girl tonight. She's like, "You do you doing an interview?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I'm gonna read you exactly what I texted her. Uh, this interview is going steak and potatoes with balsamic vinegar dip with onions and mushrooms swimming around to stab with each bite with reverse sear. That's how good this interview's been tonight. Has that even been an interview? It's a fucking conversation. I told you before we started conversation, right? Yeah, just slow me down a little bit because I was in that time warp, but we got there. No, we got everywhere, man. It was it's it's it's, it's, it's what needs to happen. You can't be like, so, Jinsu, where'd you train? Um, who's your favorite wrestler, Jinsu? Um, <laughs> brother, me softly. No. <laughs> <laughs> now go for the gusto a little bit. Shoot. Go for the gusto. All right, all right, all right. So we'll we'll do a little we'll be a little bit of shooting over here. Uh, Jitsu, if I'm at a bar and we're celebrating, what am I, what, what drink am I ordering you? Are we getting a shot and a drink or what's your favorite? Uh, we're going, uh, Jaeger bombs. Shit, Jaeger bombs. Nice. All right. Yep. Jaeger bombs. 100%. Waterburner. It's only going to take about two of them and I'm going to be on my ass, so. I'm a cheap date. Hell yeah, karaoke right after that. All right, you're a cheap date. Cool. Um, right, we're talking karaoke then. What song are you singing? What song? Well, shit, I can't sing, so 
I've got to see it. It's all good. I've got to see something. I almost some great balls of fire. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm probably going to sing, and and I may or may not take shit for this, but uh, I think I'm going to go with Insane Clown Posse Halls of Illusion. Oh, okay. That way I can just kind of disguise my voice. Hey, Juicy, right. show me your butthole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where my feels after dark. That's a, we're, this is this is a this is a we're, we're talking a juggalo gathering inside joke here. He heard it. <laughs> yeah. oh. He heard no, it. No, I'm not wise to these cultures. What can I say? Yeah, the juggalos oh. like to show their buttholes. It's just what happens, man. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 I, I I didn't really know that it was Izzy. Izzy or ref or our senior ref was like talking about like encountering a bunch of ISP guys, and they were like demanding your butthole. And uh, last night she was like she was at Gorilla, and she was like, "Hey, check this out." And she like unzips her her shirt just a little bit, and then she goes up, and then she goes down a little bit, and then she goes a little bit up, and she's like, "Only refs." <laughs> <laughs> and like, I popped off a photo, and she's like, "Motherfucker, don't you post that!" And I'm like, "I'm gonna find the font. I'm gonna find. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm, you're gonna be on. You're you're headlining only refs." And she's like, "Motherfucker, you post that." I'm like, "Hey, hey, I'll buy you a shot." She's like. Better be Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great, though. Dude, it's, it's just wrestling, man. People don't understand. Like, like you said earlier, like you, you can argue any story under ref under wrestling because it's not going to be as good. <laughs> just right. No, you know, I I've always said like, like I think now that my you know both my daughters are out of high school and everything, one of the things I want to do is I want to write a Colorado wrestling storybook. And I want it to be just that, like road stories, you know, like just crazy ooh, stories. Like ooh, ooh, save, about, save, right? save it for Minefields After Dark, brother, because people are going to listen. It's to your story. Okay. <laughs> we're we're, we're going we're gonna to sell you on something after after we're done. Like, actually, uh, like uh, let's go ahead and switch some Minefields After Dark. Morales, you in on this? Okay. Yeah, let's freaking, let's end it then. Shoot. Let's end it. Hey, you sent us off for the first time, man. You know that you know the phrase. This is dangerous. This is my fills. This transmission is over.